0: Years? A few, meaning like three or four? Yeah. Yes. This is like 2018. Hey, everybody, welcome to Bros, wow. Bibles, and Beer. It's episode 195. Uh, Zach, how's it going?
1: Fantastic. Great. Andy?
0: We're in the presence of a killer. <laughs> oh, my God. <gosh>, Scott? <laughs> Have you guys heard of Alex
2: Jones? <laughs> Alex Jones. Her? What about
1: you, Jeff? I'm st- <laughs> <laughs> sorry. He's nothing. I threw you into a brick wall. Yeah, well, that's okay. That's all right.
0: I don't, I don't, you know what? I don't mind just being humble and being on the sideline where you guys have some fun. You're a
3: servant. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> we're not alone, gentlemen. We have a guest. I see that. We have a guest who came bearing gifts. We're going to do a little uh, live mic check here, though, with our guest in studio live, the one and only Art Greco. Hey guys, okay. Let's do a little. Uh, we'll do a little live mic check in here. Point hey, what, that thing at your face. How close you want me to get? There we go. Hold on. Feel good about that.
4: All right, yeah. feels good to me.
3: A fist. Okay, and uh, I hear
4: drop ice dropping into a glass. That's a good sign.
3: Yeah, tonight <laughs> we're we're exercising
1: the bourbon side of beer in the <laughs> Bros Bibles and beer. I'll probably crack a beer at some point, but oh, yes. Wow. Our that guest is good. has Very good. generously um, brought us a some Woodford Reserve double-oaked. Yeah, this is from Art. I don't mess around Greco.
3: This is tasty.
4: <laughs> and it starts with B, so you can supplant it any week you want to. Yeah, <laughs> bro's Bible's bourbon. You know, there is actually a bourbon...
1: Bibles oh, the podcast. And yes, Like oh, a no. bruise, bourbon Bibles. And they started after us, by the way. Yeah.
0: Everybody started after us. So they're us. trying
1: they're trying to capture both beer and bourbon in the title. Huh. It's a little aggressive.
3: Yeah. We have cornered the market on alliter- alliterative uh
1: Christian podcasts.
5: <laughs>
3: Maybe yeah. not corner of the in, market. In
1: We're- our name and our guests. <laughs> our guests, the last couple guests, and people affiliated with uh, said podcasts, um, Heretic Happy Hour and Apostates Anonymous and I'm sure we could go on. There's probably Holy Heretics. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Heretic uh, Happy Hour. Did Heretic- you say that? Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not listening to uh, you. That's <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's standard. That's why we podcast. We talk. We don't listen.
3: All right. Uh, Ark Greco, who the heck are you?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: hey, we'll, you know, we'll I've been asking you- <laughs> the same question for a long time. <laughs> what gives you the
1: right...
4: Yeah. Tell us tell us and the listeners a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, I grew up in Santa Clara, and uh, so I'm sort of a California boy, but we moved all over the place and married to Brenda. For, we're coming up on 45 years. Wow, and that sounds about— It's difficult being married to Brenda. I think I deserve a trophy or something. <laughs> no, she's actually phenomenal. And, uh, uh, you know, we live now in Palm Springs, and I retired a couple years ago from a church up in Marin County, so I was a pastor for— 40 plus years, more than a, longer than I've been married. And then um, I can't seem to be retired, stay retired because <laughs> I finished and they asked me to go to uh, Montecito, Santa Barbara area. Tough duty, huh? From Marin oh, yeah. to Santa Barbara can't for pass that
3: up for years for Jesus. to
4: help with the church there. And then I thought I was really done. And I get a phone call while I'm on a cruise with my siblings and saying, hey, you know, this, one of our great pastors, Todd Redarnell, uh, is finishing up. And any chance you could go help them out a little bit? I said, I'm too smart to try to follow Todd. you think I'm nuts.
1: <laughs> That's
4: nice. Yeah, going from the
1: mean streets, Marin to Montecito, the mean streets of Orange County. Orange
4: County, yes. Yeah, South Orange County. And so I tell people where I'm serving, they say, uh, <laughs> Yeah, right, you're toughening it out. Yeah, it's it's only good good four
2: of the 10 safest cities in California are in this area. Is that right?
4: Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. there's Oakland. And then there's, <clears throat> I think,
2: like, this, on the opposite end of the spectrum. <laughs> Irvine, Irvine is number one in
3: the nation for, like,
2: the last 25 years. Yeah, Seriously? Like, Aliso Viejo, so. Mission Viejo, Rancho Santa Margarita. I mean, not Laguna to clarify,
1: but I think it's, like, Irvine is the safest with over 100,000. I think, like, cities over 100,000 yeah. people is, like, some marker that matters. This has mm, been your hot, sense. dude, hot, hot
3: minute of safety talk. Yeah. population talk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really glad we yeah. got into
1: this. We're uh, branching out.
3: Okay, so you've been you were a pastor for forty plus years, and tried to retire, and it was a godfather moment. You got just just when you thought you were out, you get sucked back. Absolutely, yeah, <laughs>
4: uh, yeah. But I got sucked into some pretty great places yeah. and met some really neat people. So it's been good. That's cool. But I'm tired. <laughs> uh, yeah. Are you? Are, um, you,
0: you're, are you
4: exhausted? I'm exhausted, yeah. You know that phrase, I didn't leave anything on the field? That's how mm. I felt leaving Montecito, even though it was a great experience and really yeah. good people. We love them. Yeah. But there was nothing left. And so I thought, I'm crawling home and mm. crawling into bed and going to work on my golf game. And and got the call to come come <laughs> out here for a little bit. Well, there's a couple of
1: courses around here.
0: There's <laughs> <Yeah>. a couple <laughs> of courses in Palm Springs. I know that. Yeah, yeah. there
4: and, are. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. As long as you play them at six in the morning.
4: True. This time of year. Yeah, that's right. true. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And for any uninitiated listeners, uh, art is tr- transitioning, helping us transition, helping the church that some of us of among the bros go to or are involved with. Um, transitionary pastor. Or allowed pastor. to go, too. Or yeah. allowed to go. Yeah. But, I mean, Todd left, so now Scott's allowed. Well, yeah. I, mean, I have to ask Art. We'll, yeah, later. Former guest, yeah. Todd Redarmel, multiple guests, uh, pastor of Mountain View Church. Um, and a great pastor. Moved away, and uh, now Art is helping with the transition and coming out of retirement to to do so. So, And I'm having a of, blast, man.
3: I, I kind of like it there. It looks like it. Yeah. yeah, it feels like it, too. We are. T- I feel like we're having a blast with you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, we went back to... I mean, to go back to Todd, when Todd, um, uh, had told me, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to be moving, we're going to be moving and, and obviously I, I will not be the pastor of Mountain View anymore. I'm like, oh my gosh. I mean, I get it. Like family, you're like following your family and you've, you know, you've gone, you've had a good run here and, and you're moving on and that's, and that's good. And then I talked to my wife, I'm like, man, how are we going to replace Todd at the church? I mean, he's amazing. People love him. They love his family, and um,
1: he's just—he—he's mm-hmm. Todd. Is that when you sit in your audition tape? <sighs> yeah. <laughs> 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 They're like,
0: uh, you like the microphone too much. Um, <laughs> and then Art, you came in, and I find myself saying the same exact thing. I'm like, how the heck are we going to replace Art? This is going to be so difficult. You have a uh, a charismatic academic i mean it's like a jack of all trades and it comes it's so true it comes out with just such ease obviously from practice of you know so many years but uh i love to listen to you preach and and uh every once in a while you just get people going laughing but kind of settling in the crowd and and then you know putting a dagger into like the Bible and going, all right, let's, let's go. Mm. And, uh, it's been fun. Um, but still I'm like, man, how are we going to replace art? I'm visualizing
1: Jeff, or I'm visualizing art stabbing a Bible now, which is weird, Jeff. I've never thought about a pastor doing well, that.
4: I have been known during a sermon to throw it across the stage or to hold it up and rip pages out. Say, oh. okay, okay, I can live with this now if you're going to go like that. you know. And, yeah. Uh, that hasn't so, now, that doesn't do- worked always so well. <laughs>
0: it's, a, it's a little dead poet society moment. Just tear some pages out. You know, we don't need this. It does
1: feel like when, it, you know, having not known you for very long and just seeing, you know, a handful or so uh, sermons and you're coming, you're out of retirement, is you do speak in a way that feels a little free, maybe making an assumption, but so far you haven't torn out pages of the Bible at Mountain View or thrown a Bible. Uh, Is that something you did when you were like full-time employed with a church? Or are you more free? Like, do you feel more free now that you're sort of just like pinch hitting and you're not on the hook for your, your livelihood? Are you living a double life? What's going on here? (laughs) You can't fire me. I quit. (laughs) That's not the art I
4: knew. I had to wait till after I was tenured. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. (laughs) Mm.
1: But has there been like, is there a different, do you notice a difference with your preparation or the, what you're going to preach about or even like taking off some of the safety valves. Cause I, I got to assume if you're a pastor and your livelihood depends on, you know, satisfying a lot of people mm. with varying beliefs. Um, you might steer clear of a few ta- topics. You might talk about certain topics, but you might change the way you talk about those topics to make them more palatable to a broader range of audience. Has that changed at all since you're sort of coming out of retirement to pinch hit? Well,
4: not because I'm coming out of, out of retirement, except that, you know, you hope you learned a few things and you're, Not making so many stupid mistakes. And I just got tired of the taste of shoe leather after a while. So it's good to to put your foot in there so often. Take your shoes off before you put your foot (laughs) in your mouth. No, not really. (laughs) (laughs) There's a big difference between um, leading or pastoring or serving a church that you know you plan to be in for however long. And when somebody asks you to come and serve in a specific way for a specific time as an interim. Because some things are just not appropriate for me to go into because I'm not going to live with the congregation um, into whatever I taught, you know, for the foresee- foreseeable future. So I just try to have to understand the assignment and and do the assignment that that's helpful, you know, mm-hmm. for now. But there aren't things I'm afraid to talk about. There's, there are just things It's probably not fair to the church for me to bring up since I'm not going to walk with right. them through the rest of it. Right. So there's different. things. we start, this fire start and way. then I'm out. <laughs> yeah. You deal with it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but I'm really enjoying myself uh, at, at this church and the music worship absolutely <sighs> saves me. Hmm. It just Face saves Face melting.
2: Me. Yeah. yeah. I love right. it. It's the best part of Mountain View. Uh,
4: you're
1: welcome, Art. <laughs> well, it has been. I noticed you weren't on the up. team last Sunday, though. <laughs> no,
3: wait till next Sunday. It's going to be... Re- no, I'm kidding. It was fancy. Uh, well, what's interesting about that, too, is um, that as a sort of a microcosm of the church, the worship team had a little bit of a lead in terms of uh, the experience. So if Todd leaving affects the entire church prior to that, Ryan, the worship leader, Mm -hmm. had left as well, and it's been really cool to see that in in his absence, how you know if he's if he's taking up you know so much of the the pie chart, so to speak, um, in all the different dimensions of leadership and personality and just space in the room. It's been really cool to see how all these other people have started to fill in kind of naturally and with some coaching and prompting as well too. And growing and doing things I think would have been impossible to do. um, No fault of his, but if Ryan was still here because he was a really big personality and, Mm -hmm. and which was wonderful. So that's been a, it's been a cool thing to see. And I'm curious. uh, I'm curious if we're seeing aspects of that, like a version of that for the rest of the church as it relates to Todd.
4: Well, Excuse me, I just did a aid because the Woodford Reserve does not land well anymore. <laughs> <often>. <laughs> it lands often but not well. It barks back. <laughs> um I think one of the things that's related to being a pastor in, in your when you're almost done or in your later years is for me anyways, I, I learned that success is measured by by how well things go after you leave in, in some ways. And so the more I'm around churches where I'm interim or serving after somebody else, the more I realize, man, they set this thing up well. Or I know how hard it is to be a pastor because something you mentioned earlier, uh, one of you guys mentioned just a few minutes ago that you're sort of, uh, everybody owns you a little bit. It's like you have all these these um, owners of stock and they all feel like you're sort of belong, you belong to them a little bit. So how do you please all of them and keep them in the game, yeah? but still lead and have an appropriate prophetic edge without being obsessed with yourself and still try to keep everybody moving in the right direction? It's like I mentioned it today to somebody I was working with. Um, You know, the church is like a one-room schoolhouse. You have first grade and eighth grade, and you can't just teach to the eighth grade. You lose the mm. first graders and a different different stages in life, different experiences in life, different experiences of faith, some ready to chuck their faith, but there's something still compelling mm. and magnetic about being together. So how, how do you move all of that uh, in a good, a good direction? And I think um, seeing that having been done well when I come to step in for an interim time really means a lot to me, and that's the case here. I think some of that that you're talking about, Certainly it's a result of people's hard work now, but it's also the result of an investment that was made uh, before. And that's certainly true with Todd's ministry, you know, to see what we still have. Most of the time, a church that's gone through, well, a lot of churches go through things that should shut their doors. Hmm. And many of them, many of the times it's because of what they did to themselves or didn't do. Right. But to anything that's still striving after after COVID, i think deserves an award <laughs> and uh and this is one of those cases yeah. yeah i'll be
1: honest uh if i were todd or or ryan and i'm not i would never be a worship pastor oh, or a, not a main pastor I thought you were. um well you know i, I identify oh never mind <laughs> um but if like if i leave a church and i'm like the head guy and it's like there might this is a a confession of my ego okay guys it's like, oh, they're still, they're still okay. Like, mm-hmm. like even though like it's not, it wasn't about that. It never would have been about that. There's a little slice of me that would be like, oh man, they're, they're doing just as good. Or even maybe yep. they're up in their game a little bit.
3: You don't, don't need, mean? it's a little bit they of like, need you me? don't need me anymore. Yeah.
2: That's how I feel about the softball team, leaving the softball team. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we still need you, Scott. Yeah. We do need See, you. See, that's what I want to hear. Especially tonight. <laughs> no, it's not going to happen. <laughs>
0: You know, Art, something that you. It's changing the subject. Something you brought up in a in your message uh, most recently was about um, deconstructing and reconstructing, deconstructing your faith, and then reconstructing it. And and um, I know Zach just briefly, but <laughs> because I'm I'm going, I'm not going to do well in defining like what it is to deconstruct faith can you put some words to like what it is because there's a lot of people that are using that word not just to use it but they're actually going through it right and then i have a question for art
1: well some people on this podcast aren't like scott and they don't have everything figured out So, and and that's mostly me. Uh, No, I mean, just usually it's through like a, oftentimes as was my case and it's been outlined on this podcast and I don't mind talking about it, but it, it's a, um, a catastrophic moment can plant seeds that change the way you look at the world. And so that, that's what it was for my case, or maybe, maybe it happens differently for other people, but a slow it's um, just as once a, a okay. So for me, my faith was a little bit of a house of cards that I wouldn't have called it that at the time. And so you don't realize, okay, a car got pulled and you don't realize what chain reaction that's going to set off. Because mm. oftentimes a thought, thoughts are like a web that's connected to other thoughts. That uh, And so the consequences of it is just of needing to rethink. Uh, what you believe and what that means to you and it can be it can be done in a healthy way and i think i'm settling back into a healthy uh floating to use a term that matthew destefano last week used like post deconstruction learning to float when you're not sure where the waves are taking you um but it also can be unhealthy and i've experienced periods of that where you just want to you know throw throw baby jesus out with the doubt bath water as i like to say um, and you know, coming close to that, and even still, like you know, questioning a lot of that stuff. But
0: uh, I don't know if that and, answers and, your question. It does. At all, but. And we've talked to a lot of people over the years, the last seven years, that have gone through deconstruction that are that were hosting podcasts, um, and just almost using the podcast as a um, like a way to sort ther- out their faith. like therapy. <laughs> yeah. Right. But, and talk to others and, um, and we've talked to many yeah, I'm people guilty of that for sure, but art, my, I guess, so it seems a little bit of curiosity uh, for people like, is this, have a, has my faith been resting on, you know, something that is not mine. It was just given to me. Um, or I, it seems like I'm, I'm changing lanes here and I'm going a different, uh, a different path. I'm changing directions completely. I say all this to ask the question, maybe it's a simple answer, but um, in your time as a pastor, have you ever had moments uh, where you've kind of knowing what it is to deconstruct? Have you ever gone through that as a pastor?
4: I'm going to be nervous when I quit going through that. I was, a bastard. was that always the case, though? No, because uh, I'm, I mean, things were more black and white when I needed them to be, and I was sort of a, a warrior for all that black and white. Yeah. And, um, and so I look at it like you set up non negotiables, theological non negotiables, and they make sense at a stage in life. And then you live a more, little more life, and there's this praxis that takes place. You know, you think, here's what I believe. Then here's what I just experienced. Talk about experiences yeah. with the last guest. Um, wow. What I just experienced, I can't make sense of it in light of what I just thought was a non-negotiable and solid. So am I free to rethink that? I had the experience. That's provable and maybe even repeatable. But this thing that I thought was a theological non-negotiable, I have to now see it in light of this reality and I have to rethink it. What has to, what gives, what has to give? Um, And so there's this back and forth. That's a healthy deconstruction, I think. Uh, And being aware of it is super healthy. I wasn't aware of it. Oftentimes,
1: you know, like aware, aware that that, that's what was taking place. So, yeah, like if you're able to know that, know that that's kind of what you're doing. I think that's key.
4: Yeah, and I think you I think you only realize that after the fact in in some instances yeah. where what was going on back there. Oh, that felt like oh okay. no, the grief. Some you guys recently talked about the the grief that you might feel parallels loss. It is a loss in some ways to say. That whole doctrine just fell apart yeah. and you align that with the pastor that was our teacher or parent or whatever that you love so much, or grandparent that taught you that. Oh man, if I let go of that, am I denying them and I demeaning them? And there's all these things that are connected with that. But yeah, I go through it. And sometimes, I mean, I, I would, I'm cautious about what I would share from a pulpit because I'm aware of the fact Mm. it's a one room schoolhouse and you don't (laughs) have the sex talk with a first grader, but you might with a senior in high school or something. And so certain people for me to say, here are the, Scariest moments of my faith hmm. might not might hurt somebody else who's sort of um, new in their faith or something. Yet I don't want to be disingenuous, so I try to try to preach around oh, that man. That's a but delicate there, balance. It is. Oh my God, that's like why a tightrope walk. It's right next to compromise, but it uh, just like truth is right next to error. The closer you get to truth, the closer you are to error. But it, you don't stay five feet back from the truth to be just so you won't you know live into error. It's the dangerous fun life. Uh, but it's for all of us. It's not just for pastors. Yeah, it's for all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, um. Well, I was going to say sometimes. Here's the deconstruction. I sometimes I've been so severe in my pursuit of that. Like, wait a minute. What What are the things that uh, aren't really even fair to God for me to believe hmm. because they don't work that I'm holding on to and these non-negotiables that need to. And I I pray sometimes I mean my prayer sometimes is man Jesus don't let go of me because you better hold tight to me because I'm finding it difficult to hold tight to you right now where I'm mm. I, I need a tether I say okay this tether's gonna hold me here are the three things I'm never letting go of because I choose not to I'm gonna I'm convinced and I'm ch- I choose not to but if that tether is good I can go explore like a like a junkyard dog mm. in a long chain you know they, they'll do damage if they're unchained. But if they're chained, they can run and jump at you, but the chain stops them from going so far right. that somebody gets hurt. And I kind of think of my process of deconstruction that way. But I don't think of it as a negative thing. I think of it, think of it as a necessary component of the process of transformation. Transformation is, wait a minute, I'm letting go of this. I'm letting there be a change in me, and it might n- mean a rethinking of something and yeah. I want to explore. I want to talk to people that think differently than me. I want friendships where people think differently than me. And I think better when my concepts are challenged and I can see, oh, they don't hold up. And I'm going to preach a sermon coming up uh, where uh, about a teachability where the definition is going to be the willingness to be perceived by a better argument. So I want to stay in the space where when I hear a better argument, I'm willing, I mean, d- willing to willingness to be um, uh, Persuaded by a better argument. Mm. I want to always be willing to be persuaded by a better argument. And then I'm free to think that wasn't a better argument. I'm unpersuaded, but I understand where you're coming from. Yeah. So there's a value there, but that's part of my. Some wisdom, a lot of wisdom in that.
3: Related to that, one of the things, and it came up in a previous, it's come up in previous podcasts and interviews that we've had with people. I feel like I I noticed this common pattern that's related to someone who will identify with deconstruction, which is. (laughs) it it, te- it tends to skew heavily on personal experience and um and i am kind of curious what your thoughts are on what what is the role of personal experience as it comes to deconstructing reconstructing defining your faith uh, if if we're if we're trying to assign weight to these to the various thing the components that make up your faith uh, how do we how do we take our personal experience and weigh that against all the other many factors?
4: My my own understanding of it.
3: Yeah, what's your experience with that? <laughs> well, personal experience.
4: <laughs> well, my experience was a the type of Christianity I grew up in, to which I owe a debt I'll never be able to repay, would it, it almost uh, poo pooed experience, like never trust experience. It almost didn't get to be part of the conversation. And it worked for me when I was thinking like that. Don't trust your feelings. Don't trust experience. Just read the Bible and trust what it says. Why was that? Uh, I don't know. Why? What did I? F- well, I'm. I'm just like I'm curious. Why do you think I was taught that?
3: Where did Where did that Where did that argument to not trust your experience come from?
4: I think it was reactionary against sort of the maybe the opposite uh, way of looking at Christianity that people were trying to protect their leaders are trying to protect us from as students, or they saw this, these the extremes. And so when we're talking to the norm, but we're speaking as though they're the extreme and we're actually cautioning them against an extreme that may not even exist in that circle, mm. we get into these kinds of, you know, don't be like that. Don't trust your experiences. Um, I even had, an experience as a, as a youth ministry intern where one of our kids was raising, this was in a, a group that the church that didn't do this kind of thing, but raising their hands, all they were doing was raising their hand during a song. And I overheard one of the leaders say, well, I can see why she's so messed up now. And because there's anything that's an experience, experiential or a feeling or even a body wow, posture. Yeah. So I think that's it. I think the reason is to try to protect. There's a thing.
3: It, Well what you've described there feels like that comes from a place of fear.
4: Oh yeah. It definitely comes from a place of fear. I mean what yeah,
1: I agree. I I when I went through a phase of um kind of reformed theology bro, you know, I pre I think it was a defense mechanism to like stave off deconstruction where I was just like basically Bible Bible alone, scripture alone type of thing. And um but looking back, only speaking for myself, um, looking back, like I, I didn't realize to what degree you're even when you have that mindset and you think you're just reading the plain meaning of Scripture. Your experience, you're, you're filtering all of that through. Or I'll just speak for myself. I was filtering all of that through my own experience, my cultural upbringing, um, cultural context, all of that, and it's all it's like it was almost like stealth. You don't realize. The more you try to like stave off experience, it's it's sneaky. It's there. You you're always looking at things through an experience, um, and lo- looking back, it's like that's good. Yeah. Sorry, Jeff. Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> Jeff is trying to pour <laughs> me way too much. There's bourbon. so
3: much clinking
1: too. <laughs> can, <laughs> if I can, I piggyback on that. Please do,
3: because I think there's a, and again, I'm just kind of reacting to what I've seen. Typically, uh, the. The response that I've seen from a, a deconstructionist oftentimes is, uh, "I am going to I am going to now doubt aspects of the faith that have been presented to me. I've inherited. I've grown up with, and and I'm going to lean on experience. And I what I don't see is, and maybe it's maybe it makes sense. I don't see the same level of like scrutiny or willing to doubt experience mm. as well. And so so maybe like my follow up to that is like. Where? Do, how do we help find the healthy the ba- balance? Where's the balance? Yeah, where do we find the balance of like, my experience needs to be doubted. I can also doubt parts of faith, and hopefully, I'm get, I'm angling towards the truth in in those both of those areas.
2: And, and and I think along with that, it. So if we take for example the the Mormons, one of their main um, ways they identify truth is their experience of what what they what they used to call, or maybe some still call the burning in the bosom. And that's their experience that tells them that Joseph Smith is a prophet of God. Mm -hmm. So I think like what you're saying, how do we, how do we weigh that with anything, other evidences that we're taking in and why is that any less valid? What's the value of those things? Yeah.
4: Let me clarify. Are we talking about experiences or feelings? I'm thinking that's, that an that's experience question. is something I go and do and measure, and, um, or, or are we talking about a feeling or the combination? Because oftentimes an experience will, will promote a feeling. Sure. And I don't trust my feelings, but my experience is measurable. There, I experienced it. I just experienced the taste of this. Yeah. Um,
3: for the listener, he's holding it's up a delicious, water, a delicious decanter. It's a
4: fine right. difference, but I think people trust their feelings. Of course, I trust experience. I just experienced it. I just did it. Right. I just trust the fact that I stubbed my toe, and when I stub my toe, it's going to hurt. How do I know that? I know it because I experienced it.
2: Right Now, one of the questions I asked Matt DiStefano on our last podcast is, okay, two people have the same experience but they come to opposite conclusions and they, they experience the same thing. What? How do you th- reconcile? How do you reconcile? Especially when it comes to something theological, um, you know, le- like loving someone is different than a theological statement, mm-hmm. right. Or something that's said in the Bible. Right. So are you, are you saying like your experience can inform you about theological truths Um, is that something that, um, Uh, uh, be careful. It's a trap. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, to clarify, and that's a good question. That's a good clarification between feelings, between feelings and experience. It's a great, you know, thing to clarify. Um, but how, to what extent can your experiences or would you allow your experience to, uh, inform your theological conclusions.
4: I let my experience. the Way I look at it is my experiences are like a like a partner in the conversation. They they yeah. they get to have a uh, a say in my way of thinking through things, just like a friend would. Mm. So I'm not going to deny that I just had this experience, or even that I just had this experience, and it prompted this feeling. Now some of my internal work is about why I have that feeling in response to that experience. Right. That. Right. You know, that could be in question. The experience either happened or it didn't. But why do I feel this way when I just experienced um, somebody complaining about a, how long my sermon went? Which, by the way, is a fair complaint. Mm. <laughs> I, I look in like, doggone it, Greco, shut up after 30 minutes. For, <laughs> I, do. Some, I
1: like how you get lost a little bit and then you, okay, back to the notes.
4: Sorry, guys. <laughs> wondered, um, you see, You see what I'm doing there? Like, what I'll wonder about is, why do I feel this way? And that happened and I needed I need right. to be self-aware. Like I, my insecurities are raging again. And what's that mean? When I feel that because of that statement, uh, what does that say about me? And what work does that mean I need to do? And what's that say about what I really believe about God? And what would it believe about me or how important I am or how unimportant I am or how, what does it feel like when I resign from a church and then they're thriving like crazy? Why would that bother me? Or I think you brought one of you guys brought it up. Zach and I are
3: different people. Are,
4: Zach so, is saying the things that you were You might referencing. Both be the tallest guys in the room. But <laughs> no, no question. <laughs> On your knees, you're the tallest guys in the room. <laughs> Sorry, Do you see Joe. what I'm saying, though? Yeah. I, the experience, I, maybe it's semantics, but an experience is a measurable, repeatable, in many ways, thing. Mm-hmm. The feelings I have are the- Interpretation of the experience, maybe? The way it, the way it affects me inside or my thinking, or I have to say, wait a minute, what's up with yeah. that? And I won't build- I won't assume that that's going to define truth for me, what I feel. Right. But my experience that I have in a relationship or whatever it might be, uh, I see as an equal partner in me trying to understand life and maybe even a servant to me when I'm trying to understand myself better in light of who I want to be in,
2: now, in Christ. Oh, go ahead. I think I hijacked
3: your question earlier. So, so this is interesting though. So we can, we can uh, if we use that logic, it presents a really tough problem, which is the problem of evil. Right, if God is a good God, why do we experience on a consistent, widespread basis evil in the world? Well, that's a great. I used to know the answer to this, by the way.
4: Oh. Yeah, me too. Me <laughs> <laughs> too. Uh, uh,
0: this is probably. I knew five movie. or six
4: answers to yeah. that. <laughs> Can't have the good without the bad. There's an example of deconstructing a healthy deconstruction. Yeah. I have to look and I say, "Wait a minute! I thought this was true." Yeah. It it seems like this is what I believed, yet here's the reality. So how do these things in mean, conflict? Evil's not gonna get it's there, it's not going away, it's getting worse. And this is what we have when the scripture tells us this is this is what we have when God's holding back and limiting it in some way. Right. He's he's not letting it go completely crazy. Um he, there, there's a limitation. I think that's the way I would interpret a particular teaching in scripture. But if that's true, we still have this awful. Awful, unspeakable evil that we see, or even when it's not evil, painful experiences that are not the result of evil that we know it just happen. Awful, terrible, painful things happen. Okay, so that's not changing. That's a reality. And I have been taught in the past, define that away somehow. You, you've got you've to define that that away because this can't change. And I think that's not quite fair. I think that's the reality. So is God afraid that I might discover something new about a nuanced way of looking at theology? Is God afraid mm-hmm. that I'm going to ask a tough question? Am I going to ask a question that sends him under his desk with is in a fetal position with his head covered? No. And I want to have that freedom. My tether lets me ask that question. My two or three things that I'm not letting go of by my own choice, my presuppositions. But I would say that's a good test, a good example of the of the uh, deconstructing because I'm thinking then the sovereignty of God, as I understood it and the goodness of God, as it's related to the sovereignty of God, I must've, there must be some other, way. those are true, but mm-hmm. there must be some other way of understanding those in order for the whole thing to make sense, including coming to the clu- conclusion that it does and I'll never understand why and I'll live with the tension. That's a that's a fair conclusion. What I don't think is Satisfying for me yeah. is to simply sort of whitewash it, cover it, redefine evil somehow. Because uh, I'm not free to question or free to think.
1: But I, and the I, Lord I, works I, in mysterious ways. <laughs> I, I,
4: my, it changed. I deconstructed. The Bible never says in that. a healthy way my understanding of sovereignty. <laughs> yeah. So I no longer really use the phrase "God is in control." I changed things around. Um, you know the phrase: people come to you if you just experience some awful terrible thing in life, and they'll say, well, God has a purpose for everything. I despise that phrase now. Mm. Because if the everything you just experienced was unfair, unjust, terrible pain you'll never fully recover from, God has a purpose for everything says that God just orchestrated that event. Right. He just orchestrated Mm -hmm. the death of your child or the disillusion of your marriage or the uh, depression. I had... Terrible clinical depression for a long time. And it was no fun, man.
3: Yeah.
4: What While you were a pastor? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because I was a pastor. (laughs) (laughs) Probably people like me in your congregation. Let's let's be honest about that.
3: (laughs) Drinks all around.
4: (laughs) But I changed that from God has everything. God has a purpose for everything. I said, I don't know. I like it better to say that God has everything for his purpose. So there's nothing that happens that he isn't so good that he can't bring good out of. Right. But it doesn't mean he orchestrated all that. And, and as far as the sovereignty of God, I listened to one one of your podcasts where you were talking about um, predestination and uh, I don't mm. know what number that was, but it was a pretty interesting uh, conversation. Geez, doing your yeah, research Thank, thank you. Um, wow. Well, I like yeah. this podcast, except I go crazy when people are talking over each other. So sometimes I'm thinking, I can't keep up with which voice <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeah, sorry
0: about
4: that. <laughs> That's all right. It's usually Scott's
0: fault.
2: It's yeah. Good. <laughs> Um, so, something we can do. But I of.
4: think God, I think maybe it makes more sense to me this is healthy deconstruction I think to say hmm, I misunderstood sovereignty of God. Maybe that makes sense when I say that ultimately his purpose will not be usurped but in the meantime there's a whole lot of human decision going on that breaks his heart but he's not intervening he's letting it happen and ultimately Ultimately, he'll be in. He's he's in control. So whoever holds the chalk in there, the coaches used to say, "I'll run this position." Oh yeah, they give me the chalk and I'll go to the board. If you run that, I'll just move my defensive lineman over here and stop that. Well, if you do that, I'll pass the ball over here. And the f- saying was, "Whoever has the chalk in his hand last wins."
5: Mm-hmm.
4: And I think maybe sovereignty simply means God has the chalk in His hand last. Maybe, and I'm going to keep rethinking that mm. and trying to. Figure it out, but that, yeah. that's an example oh I think God. of what I experience in deconstruction. Have,
1: have mm-hmm. you uh, dove into delved? Delved. Thank you. Divin. Div Have you dived? Dived <laughs> in into like open and relational theology. Uh, like Tom Ord is is one of the more well known person here. Mm-hmm. Past guest, probably future guest. Um, which I, I I wouldn't be able to define it very well, except that it, it seems open like theology open open, and relational theology I don't know about the
3: relational part the open one is God doesn't know the future right
1: yeah it's all kind of in that same yeah. some people use open and relational um open theism open theism, open theism. Yeah. like yeah. basically like let's logically construct if if love can't control by its nature and God is love then how would the world look because of that and it, I, I think it, there's some yeah. interesting things to learn from that I, I wouldn't call myself that but I definitely it's it's fascinating because it's something growing up you never heard anybody talk about. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well if you weren't any- allowed
4: to talk about it. Right. In my circles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Is there anything
4: there for you or anything you grab from that that's helpful or well, I haven't taken a deep dive except it but I respect those who have. I don't know that I agree, but I don't um I don't feel like that threatens. Anybody's faith, it, it might be true. Some part of it might be true. Right. And when I come thinking, I, abs- things I'm sure of. I'm I'm sure that fifty percent of what I'm sure of today I got wrong. At <laughs> yeah. least that's on a good day. So bottom line, I this is one of the things I liked about is it you guys decided whether it's Matt or Matthew. From, from last well, time. Well,
1: uh, I think he considers me more of a friend than Scott.
4: So oh, it's he Matt to me and Matthew to Scott. Yeah, he doesn't
2: <laughs> consider me a friend at all. So, no. Yeah. So I can call him whatever
4: I want. <laughs> yeah. One of the things yeah. I, I loved about what he brought up was his bottom line was, God'll, God's will god got it covered, however it ends. I, I, I'm paraphrasing, but mm-hmm. yeah, that's sort of his foundational mm. thought. Like, I don't have to worry. I don't have to, in his work, his phrase, Phraseology care about what Scripture says uh, at the same in the same way I would or or Scott would or somebody else. But I loved uh, that he's taking the time to think through things that he's trying to find peace in his life and measuring his life by love. He and I would would be radically different, maybe in our mm-hmm. approach to us uh, some theology and things. But I- but I love the fact that he said what frees me his his tether in the ground mm-hmm. was. God is good, and when it's all said and done, he'll he'll mm. do what's good. It'll it'll land yeah. well.
1: And I know I know him well enough to to know that that's not like the cop out version of that. I imagine no. there's like an unhealthy version of like, well, whatever happens is going to happen. What can I do about it? Whereas I I'm getting to give him the benefit of the doubt that yeah. his version is, and for me because I identify with that statement too is. No, you keep working. You know, you 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 expand you expand love in your family and your community and what that looks like to serve and to to model Christ and and ho- and just have a hope in ultimately God's got it. Not the well, whatever happens is going to happen. If there is so. a God, yeah. Well, uh, so if there I, is a heaven. Okay, I'm sure
0: I'll be there. To to defend uh to defend Matt a little bit. He he comes across a little blase, but I think deep down he's constantly searching. Mm-hmm. He's constantly curious and asking questions and going, you know, what just, you know, however things go, I mean, I'm going to treat people well. And, but in that I'm going to treat people well, he's going out of his way to treat people well and to love his family and his friends. And, and he's just not, it's not willy nilly right. just letting it go, yeah. which is
3: good. And and so if I could condense that in to like a single statement, do all nice people go to heaven?
1: Oh, here comes the debate guys. Here we go. <laughs> Separating the sheep from the goats. Yo, <laughs> I, I mean, it is. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'll just throw that one right up in the middle
4: and it's going to be a jump See, ball. He, let me, let me, let me grab the jump ball. Yeah. Um, because the way I would the way I used to approach that was absolutely not. Yeah. Some jerks go to heaven if you pray the prayer you're in. Um and today I would say <laughs> um you know, I don't know who goes to heaven. Uh I hope I I hope in heaven, whatever heaven ends up being. Uh, and it's really up to the Lord who goes to heaven and who doesn't. I don't know all these things. I have a conviction. I'm convinced of X, Y, and Z. And one of my tethers is that the Bible really is a, a trustworthy, the trustworthy word of God. But I've got to go figure out what the authors meant by what the author said, and I've got to uh, do my best to be convinced of what I think it's teaching, and and own own the stuff that I might preach that's helpful and own the stuff that I regret preaching when I think of 45 or 48 or whatever mm. years it is. And ultimately um, I, I believe that those who put their hope and trust their hope in Jesus and do their best to follow him. Uh, he, he died for them. And that's what gets us to to quote on heaven. But I would say that's my understanding of scriptural teaching. And even though I might disagree with somebody, I read scripture differently I, might, I want to still respect them as a human being and their thinking, and uh, so my answer might be different than theirs. It Doesn't mean I'm relative. Everything's relative. I'm convinced of what I believe in absolute truth. I just don't always believe that I have a grasp of it. Yeah, we can't know it. It's absolute, there somewhere, but I absolutely. don't know that I always have a grasp of it. Mm-hmm. And so even when I'm assertive, I need to, I need to hold the things with appropriate, healthy humility, mm-hmm. without going being so humble that nothing. Nothing can be taught ever again. There's nothing to believe, which is also a delicate dance for all of us.
2: Yeah. And that's one of the things I try to clarify with him is like, okay, um, if it's your experience and it, and then he, and then I, I kind of push back, uh, took it, like took it to an extreme. And he says, well, it's my, exp- it's, it's that it's the truth for me. And, you know, you shouldn't listen to me. And it's like, okay, fair enough. But what does that, what does that mean for like you're writing books and doing podcasts. It's like okay, you're you're teaching people something, but at the same time, you're gonna say, "Well, that's just that's my that's just for me." That's so that part kind of i uh I'm, uh it just it's hard to take stuff like that seriously. Um, but like 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 can you know can nice people or good people go to heaven? The, yeah, we could say, yeah, there's uh, there are gonna be nice, good, very good people that don't
4: go to heaven. And right. I would say my, my understanding, I'm convinced that this is true. So then it makes me own it. Right. Um, and, and we don't know, I, right. We don't, we, we don't, don't know, know so those individuals. That's an expression could, of, I'm yeah. going to humbly believe this. Right. I don't want to, I don't want to say that, Oh, you believe nothing. What's why should we listen to you? You believe nothing. Uh, no, I'm going I'm to, going to present what I'm convinced is true, but I've got to keep at least the, The uh, program running in the back of my mind. You might be wrong, Greco. Yeah. Uh, So you you don't have the privilege of not teaching, and of not being appropriately uh, uh, assertive and convincing. But try to do it in a way that always represents your understanding of we all might be wrong on all of this.
1: Yeah. Careful. uh, If you read the parables carefully regarding heaven and hell, or whatever whatever that might end up being you know there's a lot of parables that people interpret as talking about heaven and hell whether, whether they are or not let's just assume for the sake of this conversation that they are there's plenty of parables that uh that lead me to believe there's going to be a lot of frustration among people that think thought that they were the ones that were in and uh, the people that were out are also in in a way that is frustrating and uh
2: what what well that's interesting maybe maybe a conflict on your views that because you don't, I mean, you're, you're a hopeful universalist, I think is what you say, but according to those parables, there will be some that will not make it. So yeah. I mean, that'd be a, I think of, it's like you, Absolutely. it's like I asked you that question, what you just stated. So yeah.
3: yeah <laughs> I okay. think if we come to, if we come back to experience, I think
2: that's where I wanted to go. Where most
3: people were, I I would imagine a lot of people experience a conflict when it comes down to, um, I see someone's life, like you, you alluded to it before, uh, jerks who said the prayer and go to heaven, and their life didn't reflect it, mm-hmm. versus someone who didn't say the prayer and lived more of Jesus's values in their life than the jerk did, and and we would make a declaration that, they don't go to heaven. It feels like that's the the easiest, most common argument or struggle that that uh, someone would have when they look at that and go, "How do
4: you reconcile this? How do I reconcile it?" Well, sure. Are you asking? Sure. Yeah, I just, think we're asking. I don't. I don't think we have the right to try to decide who goes to heaven and who doesn't. Yeah, and that's the wrong question. I think the question is, are you moving toward Jesus? <laughs> and I don't know, Dick Peace, my. Uh, my advisor at Fuller when I was working on Richard Peace when I was working on my doctorate there. Uh, I'm glad you correct I'm okay. glad you adjusted his we name. We are not mature enough. Uh, oh, this. you <laughs> got us. his name. Back to eighth grade, are we? <laughs> hey, you know sir, what? There's some, there some first graders. There's some first graders in this room. Uh, okay.
2: and Excuse some me. That's not our room. fault. That's <laughs> Dick's fault.
3: <laughs> Actually, that's Dick's parents' yeah. fault. His
4: parents. Continue. <laughs> Sorry. Dr. Richard Peace Yes, <laughs> wrote a book called Conversion in the New Testament, which was just pivotal for me. And he argues there that even the apostles, when they were walking with Jesus for those three years, three-ish years, tell me in that whole journey, at what point were they what we might call genuinely saved? Mm. He's arguing, he looks at the process of the way, the, the titles by which they refer to Jesus. I think it's through the book of Mark that he traces it. But he says, there's sort of a progression of the titles. It goes from teacher to. Uh, uh, Abba. Uh, yeah. Or, different. No, but no, he gets, Anyway, they move all the way Sorry. to, oh my goodness, he's God. But they start with teachers and he's saying there's a parallel journey of their conversion. Hmm. But at what point if the world ended, would they have some gone to heaven and some gone to hell? Right. And I kind of look at it more that way. I, My job as a Christian, my hope is that I can help people move one step closer to Jesus. And I want to be moving all the time one step closer to Jesus. And he knows who's in, who's out, what in means, where in is, where out is, what it's going to be like. I don't know. I'd rather focus on presenting Jesus as a source of life, the transformer of my soul and my heart, Mm. the forgiver of my sins. That's the way I understand things and the way of life. And I think in some circles of Christianity, we focus on way of life, but forget about source of life. And in the Christian, Christianity I grew up in, it was all about source of life, but no, not so much emphasis on way of life. Mm. That's why the pimp could say the prayer and keep pimping and still go to heaven because the dude said the prayer, got the source of life. Yeah, God's And I dead. think I don't think Jesus teaches that, but yeah. I don't think it's the right question. Well, for and us.
2: there'd be a question on, okay, which preachers actually like, would teach that, but we're like we're saved by faith and not by works. But hold on, hold on. Right. No, that that's common. What what's, descri- what's common? what you've described, is is a
3: widespread common act uh, practice of the source being more important than than the way, the of, way life. of
4: life. I don't think Jesus teaches that. I
3: think he's no, teaching but in both, but pervasive in the Western yeah, Western yeah. Church. Okay,
2: well, and in, in, in well, even like so, some groups like Catholics, for example, like if you're baptized, then you're saved and you can't mm-hmm. do anything to essentially well, look to at Kevin Sorbo at the that. very
1: end of God's not dead. He like gets hit by a car and he's about to go to hell. And he has this, you know, flash of light. Like, Oh yeah, I should. Uh, hey, Jesus saved me too. And then, Right before he dies, and then
2: well, that's that's the thief on the cross motif, right? right. That that we're and we're not saved by works; we're saved. But by I, don't faith. Wanna, I don't I, but, f- I, mean, I don't.
1: I That's that's. I don't think this is a. I don't. I don't know. I don't like this direction like, of like debating what heaven and hell is and who's in. Who's oh, out I we, we
2: did, well, we didn't for, say what heaven or hell is, but I'm just saying like that's the question of some jerks will make it and some nice people won't. Right. And, and it's that, worth
1: I, noting, picking back on you know, Art's uh, mentioning of the gentleman's. I forget his name. I'm sorry. Richard. What is Richard, so, Richard peace Richard. Peace. right up until before the crucifixion. And even after um, like Peter thinks he's going to be, he wants to be at Jesus right hand. And, and Peter thinks it's like, Hey, we're, we're actually going to take this from the Romans through Jesus is going to help us take this from the Romans. Peter, what it wasn't, it didn't mean like, Hey, in heaven, I'll be at your right hand. And um, so it's, it's worth noting that, the real human experience of those people, uh, we read back into it like, Oh, getting saved and not getting saved and coming to a proper understanding and faith. Whereas for them, it was real life. And what it meant to follow Jesus was very different than they assumed along the way.
2: Well, Um, yeah, yeah, there is. And and they, yeah, they didn't believe. And even after when Jesus was crucified, they like, they scattered the, all the disciples scattered. And it wasn't until after um, the, the resurrection where they were like, when they saw Jesus, the risen Jesus that they something transformed them, then he breathes on them, gives them the Holy Spirit, and something happened. But cookies are being passed. But what happened? Wow, there in the Bible, though, there is still a there's still a significant discussion about the afterlife and whether people, like Zach, you was saying, the parables, there, uh, people some people will make it, and other people's uh, other people's <laughs> other people won't make it. Who is God's children? (laughs) Yeah. Like that, that's a significant discussion. And, and yeah, we could separate the discussion on, on living life now, but there's also a discussion on the afterlife and there will be people that won't make it even. So Jesus gives a parable of you will, you will say to me, or it's not really a, maybe it's the explanation of a parable, but he says, "Uh, you will say to me on that day, master, didn't we do this and this in your name? And I will say to you, depart from me for I never knew you.
3: I was thinking about that, too.
2: Uh, so that, like, there there is that discussion of the afterlife and how we live life on this earth is important in regards to who who okay, enters that fine. afterlife.
1: That's oh, fine. But thanks, I, thanks, No, Zach. I acknowledged, and you're not wrong. I don't disagree with you. That is in the Bible. But I do have a question for Art.
0: He's just passively aggressively
1: affirming <laughs> you, Scott. Yeah. Well, who knows? <laughs> no, <so laughs> knows what he's doing are you he's gonna, right. Are you it's in the change, Bible? The,
3: are you going to change the topic?
1: No, I'm gonna, <laughs> okay. well. I'm going to get back to art. He mentioned a couple times the tether you have. Thanks now,
0: for passing the communion, Zach.
4: Oh yeah, give some of these cookies. These are delicious. I think they're made with actual crack. No, I I baked them myself and bought these boxes to package them in. <laughs> yeah. you even sealed them yeah. up. Too? Costco sells these boxes, you know.
3: Man, Art worked his ass off for this podcast. Good job, Art. <laughs> You're welcome back anytime, as <laughs> long anytime. as you bring all these gifts.
4: Gosh, anytime, like Current it. and Heaven. future
1: guests. Art Greco. I don't even. If like-
0: Jesus was handing out cookies. This is what they would taste
3: like. Maybe the devil hands these cookies Uh-oh. out.
1: Damn, Jesus' body tastes good, man.
4: Mm. <laughs> or, is that bad, Scott? You want any of these cookies? Uh, I wasn't going to, but I have to taste one now. I think, Scott, your your statement makes me think.
3: What What is the importance of what we do and believe on Earth?
4: Oh man, yeah. <laughs> well, I know.
3: Art just took a bite, listener. Oh, yeah,
4: it wasn't We're about the question. question. Yeah. It we just Andy's we question.
3: just discovered yeah. heaven. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> Apparently, we have a glimpse into heaven because,
2: so like I, I said, I can, I can give two statements real quick. So one, one I've already made: like we're not saved, and Paul makes, and we're not saved by works; we're saved by faith. But then Paul also says that
1: faith like, without works—that's not dead. true. He says we're saved by grace. Uh? Grace. We're oh, saved, grace is first in Paul's statement. Uh, oh man, and I think there's a difference. What did I say? We're saved by faith.
2: No, we're, I said we're saved. We're not saved by. Works, we're, we're saved, saved by, by
1: faith. We're saved by faith. But yeah. that's not what it says. No, no, and, there's, and there's a separate it, passage that says we're... Oh, so you're choosing the one that's more works-based.
2: <laughs> <laughs> if I say we're not saved by works... <laughs> no, there's a separate passage that says uh, we are saved by grace through faith.
4: No.
1: That's my point, like, yeah. by grace. What is, what is Grace is more uh, of a, is the priority there. Grace. Oh, the, okay,
2: but, but faith is still... Faith is All still right, finish a, your
1: two statements that no, are quick. I, I, I'm I sorry. Think, I
2: think it's great. I, I think it's great what you said. Faith is still an aspect of of that grace because in like I think it's Romans five one that um, we um, by faith we enter the shoot. Now I forget it, but faith um, we enter grace through faith. Like Paul, Paul makes that clear. So so it's not grace or faith. It's we're saved. By God's grace, through our faith.
1: Well, I disagree with Paul on that, and I'm writing a book about it, and it'll be out um, on some publisher,
4: yeah. maybe self-published.
3: Is it, <laughs> Is it safe to say you would you would agree that we have access to grace through faith?
4: That's it.
3: Sure. Yeah. Art agrees with me. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, that that it, we can't, I, it's there's no point in the Bible where it's pitting faith against grace. Okay. There, that that's not a thing in Scripture. Uh, it's it's. God is giving us faith. So like, you know, John three 16, for those who believe that grace is, is available. Right. For those who believe.
1: Yeah. My only, my only yeah. personal, uh, cookies, um, wasteful, m- my final thought. And then I want to get back to my tether question is, would be that I don't think our faith changes God's grace. And I think for a lot of Christians, um, uh, you just have to show us in the does Bible that where it says uh, that. What does that yeah. mean? There's, it means that God's if if our faith gets us God's grace, then then God changes based on what we believe. And I don't think God's disposition towards humanity is that way. Is that like to say uh, it doesn't matter how much I love the Dodgers, it won't change
3: whether or not they're going to win tonight? I don't know what that means. They're not going to win tonight.
4: <laughs>
1: I mean, when they're their not next, playing tonight, when their next game. <laughs> when, well, well, like, well, that's my favorite. That's when the Angels aren't playing. I'm like, they can't lose tonight. <laughs> <laughs> now, the point
3: that I'm trying to make is, regardless of of my faith, like whether I do or do not believe in in God's sovereignty and um, salvation in my life, doesn't impact the the fact that he His grace exists. So if I don't believe in it it doesn't mean that automatically his grace is disappears if i right. do
1: believe in it it's still there yeah your forgiveness mm. for your daughters exists your forgiveness and love for your daughters exists whether or not they right. try to get it from you
3: so no matter how much i love the dodgers it has no impact on whether or not they will win or lose that is that is outside of my control my belief my belief in them to win <laughs> yeah, we we
2: just don't have don't any control. examples of that in scripture i think so all all the examples we have are God doing things based upon whether people either believe in in Him or are or are obedient to Him.
1: God is the savior of the, the world, especially those are, for those who believe. Here's uh, an example. Especially for
2: those who, yeah, especially. I for think those it's who an who example
1: of the counter, but I I mm-hmm. want to get back to
2: my. Well, question no, I, heart. I had two. I had you, two. I had quick okay, statements. So we're saved by faith, not by works. But then, but then, Paul also gives a list of things. You could, you know look at it, it's like first Corinthians five, nineteen or six nineteen. He gives a list of things that says that people that if those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Uh so that and I forget what the, the question was initially, but but those those two statements I think help inform us about the relationship between faith and works. What we do and what we believe. Right. What we what, yeah, yeah, what we do in this life. That we're not saved by works, but there's also that it's
3: that, evidence of our faith.
2: Yeah, but you can you can definitely disqual your, disqualify yourself from the kingdom of God by your actions.
0: Okay, like, can yeah. I? Uh, I want to go back to wait, Jeff, wait, 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 Jeff, wait. wait. Still Hold, awake?
3: I, I do. I do. <laughs> I want. I want to give you that. But oh my gosh. But he did just say that you can't disqualify. or you, no, you can. You can disqualify your faith by your works. You you, right. you yeah.
0: guys, I'm I'm yeah. I'm bored. Um, and, and by the way, if you guys had some of these brown butter cookies, bro, Art brought out the second round of cookies. Everybody would be having an altar call in their churches you know, <laughs> or, by the, or, by, or the a by the diatribe attack. <laughs>
5: Get to I like, earlier. I like yeah. this yeah. new <laughs>
0: church format that okay. you're
3: introducing. Yeah, <laughs> so,
5: right before the pastor gets up
3: to speak, we pass out some cookies. <laughs> Along with maybe the, uh, the uh, offering. Some we roll cheese. a little kegerator out
0: there. A little, uh, just a little wood, pull from the we kegerator. We got the Woodford Reserve it's and in, some brown butter cookies. What <laughs> <There's laughs> church is this, man? I want to go there. There's, there's two churches we're, we're starting right, right now. Some
1: beer church. We are two, starting it. Two
3: compartments in the offering plate. The left-hand side has
0: cookies. You take something from that, and then the oh right-hand oh side's gosh. empty where you put... <laughs> yes. Okay. I want to clarify. I'm going to clarify... My clear my, my clear faith flag. in that in a, a big part of the first year of following Christ, my marriage was the linchpin. And God showed me, your marriage is everything to me. And will you fight for it? And I, I thought I was fighting the right way. And there was some point where my wife was like, you're just saying that, or you're just using the Bible to throw things out and, you know, guilt and shame. She wanted the tangibles. And there was, there was, well, you're right. Cause there's like what you think about and, and then when the action that you take and I'd never heard just to go back real quick to experience and feeling or I never had that defined so clearly in that experiences create feelings, but you you cannot rest your faith on feelings. you know there's an experience that you may have and and Scott and I have talked about this before where it's like, well is your how do you know that experiences is, is uh, you know real or it's true or it's biblical or it's what God would want. And it was when I got into fighting for my marriage that I realized, uh, God was, I was doing things in my marriage and I'm like, why isn't my wife following me? Like, why isn't she doing what, doing what I want her to do? And there I found my selfishness and my insecurity. And I'm like, my goodness, God's like, you, you can't do things for you. And think that you're leading and your marriage will be good and your family will be good. It'll be a good picture for, for your children. You have to get on your knee and serve your wife and put yourself, as you have said in your messages, Art, like, are you willing to just be in the background? You may be do working your butt off, you maybe working your ass off to make like life just be good and and you may be getting crapped on or you may feel like you're getting crapped on but truly you're you're fighting in in all of it for your marriage for your wife and if you'll do that your faith if you look back you'll see your you're tethered to like man this life doesn't happen without my wife doesn't happen without my kids Mm. it doesn't happen without good friendships but not just like on the surface friendships or on the surface marriage or look at the family we're just beautiful people it's like are you digging down and going I don't need the the accolades I don't need to I just need to go and do and my and and if you forget yourself and that's what you're experiencing. Something happens. It feels horrible when you're going through it, but when it's over, there's such a a greatness because you're demonstrating a faith and following Jesus and it's hard to connect that for people to realize oh you you just gotta do it. Jeff, are you reading from your journal right now? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, I mean, that was beautiful. Don't get me wrong. But the difference between experience, I mean, the experiencing things has such great value because then we get to like, well, why do I have this feeling? My wife should be doing this. I have this, I have, I feel this should happen. Uh, It has nothing to do with your faith. Christ is like sacrifice everything. Die for your wife, Mm. die for your family and your friendships and, and die in this life, and I'll, I'll give you everything. But if you continue Mostly to... metaphorically. If you continue to think, I want, I want everything that's not... If you think of it in that way, it that's doesn't a, come out...
3: Well, that's a good point, right? Like, when we're children, when we were children... There's a selfishness. There is a selfishness. Things that we seek after, things that benefit us. We would eat candy all day long. And that in our experiences, we love the deliciousness of candy or these brown butter, (laughs) these cookies that Art has brought, which are made out of crack cocaine, and and we love that. But but we have this like limit. I guess it keeps coming back to this idea of like our accepting humility that our experience is limited, and we should recognize that we have we have limited experience, and so. In, in, in this case, if I'm the kid who's just eating cookies all day long, maybe eventually I, en- I encounter the outcome of that, which is I'm going to get sick and puke or feel terrible about myself. Someone else is sitting right next to me, a parent, and going, I'm watching your experience. Yes, you are loving it. However, I'm having a totally contradictory experience to that. Mm. I'm watching you and I'm frustrated. And mm. I know that what you're doing is going to result in something terrible. And this is why I keep coming back to this. If we apply this mindset to the person who weighs everything or, or weighs so heavily on their experience, we have blind spots. We can't help that. You mentioned in the last two sermons, I think, how important humility is in approaching both the deconstruction and reconstruction of our faith, but also our interpretation of how we view scripture and how we interact in the world. And so uh, those things live in this like natural tension. I've experienced this thing. This is really hard. Also, how real is that? It's real for me, but how like universally true is
1: it? I don't know where the question is. (laughs) And by the way, Jeff, that was beautiful. I just want to make note of that. There was real energy and passion but, and experience but behind. But you that, experienced real, one though. thing, and Tanya experienced another, and you guys have
3: experiences that are in conflict.
0: Well, that or had right, but that goes back to I'm like every every woman has a key, a very small key in in their heart, and it's up to a man to unlock that. And you can you can just you can have the key and try and like. Unlocking and it's like, you're missing it. You're missing it. You're missing it. I'm speaking on the that's wife's why relationships wife's are so behalf. awesome. It's like, and you feel like I've got it right this time. It's like, you stop. If, I'm sure my wife is probably thinking like, stop trying to figure out what's right and just love me where I'm at. And that's where the key is. And if you're willing to just be and love me, then Then things are are will be so sweet. But you know, there and God has set it up that way. Like Mm. you've got to you've got to sacrifice it's so gosh darn hard because our selfishness comes
1: out. So having said all that, let's just we're bouncing the metaphor or the figurative tennis ball over to art. Any of all of that, there's a lot of beautiful poop we just threw at the wall. Any reactions to that art? Because I'm not sure there was a question there but it probably wasn't
4: observation yeah Yeah. I mean that's an example I think of what at least a parallel example of what we're talking about because what happens in that when you when you unpack that scientifically sort of you you had a conviction or we have a conviction about the key to unlocking our spouse's heart or our our friend's heart or whatever it might be world you're not where you're single
2: I have a lot of marriage experience okay (laughs) Anyway, indirect indirect, <laughs> marriage, I've indirect never, marriage i've never been
4: married oh then that then you're but probably I'm, an expert on yes, marriage yes that's how <laughs> from my experience yes. everybody's yes. an expert on raising children they have marital right. yes <laughs> go ahead but we have we we have a conviction of, of what's true about what it takes to unlock this heart and then what do we do we act on it and then we have an experience. We, there's a reaction, and we experience the disappointment of our spouse. We have an experience of that. That's mm-hmm. measurable, yep. explainable, reportable experience. And we have a feeling based on that experience that drives us back to rethink yes. what the truth is. So that's, that's I think, a healthy example of how experience can be a partner in discovering truth. Um. But, I'm, but if we stop there and say, I have this feeling, it's not a good feeling, and therefore, here's what's true based on what I just felt, as opposed to saying, I'm going to rethink this based on the measurable reaction I just got and, and the experience I just had, that can be trouble. So if I'm basing truth on how it felt to have that mm-hmm. experience, that's trouble. But if I'm letting the experience and what I feel in response to the experience... But the experience primarily informed my rethinking of truth, my reconstruction, um, deconstruction and reconstruction. I think that's a healthy example. And that doesn't do justice to the pathos with which you just shared that story. And it, it, I think it touched us all kind of deeply. Oh, yeah. Because people couldn't see what we were seeing as you were telling that story. But even hearing it, I think it's yeah. pretty powerful. Jeff was about to
1: weep and, and I made one little joke to, to cut the tension, but I agree <laughs> well, with no. you. it It's
0: because it's meaningful. It's because you, you, you go back and you ask the question, God, what am I doing wrong? Or, or lead me in a different direction. I've got this wrong. I, because, because
4: I've tried these uh, things and, you knew and it's that right. Because of what you experienced when you tried it. Correct. It didn't work. What yeah. happened? <laughs> In fact, it <laughs> wounded. I wasn't trying to wound, I was trying to heal. And now, it wounded. And- is
2: it possible that you did the right thing? At the wrong time. And her reaction was wrong. But
0: that is that is the that is the essence of faith. I'm gonna to continue to move towards Christ. I'm gonna to continue to ask. Like, I I I know I'm doing the right thing. And I'm getting pushback in whatever environment we're in. It's and sometimes doing the right thing, people don't like it. May not be the popular right, right. thing so to do. Can I
1: say real quick in response to Scott? Scott, that might be the case. I think no marriage will survive if that's the thought process of one or both. Right. I um, oh, just as, as an spouse. analogy.
2: I was using more as an analogy it's like, to technically, theology yes. though. It you're might not be right. wrong, Donnie. You're it just an asshole.
0: <laughs> yes. One of yeah, my favorite I mean, quotes. But I get what you're saying. And I'm, yeah. and, and Zach points, he makes it, he makes, he points it out that if you have to be right, if you, uh, if you actually are proclaiming, I'm right. And we need to do this. And you're, Essentially, that means that you're wrong. You may have some serious challenges. There may be um, collateral damage. Well, there's that a you can't get away from. There's a,
1: for its time, a wonderfully progressive nature to relationship advice or instructions in the Bible. Which ultimately, we can quibble over details of a couple different passages. Ultimately, is mutual submission, mutual self sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And that yes. is the way a marriage thrives. Like, yeah, the key might not always fit. That's if if relationships were easy, they wouldn't last. Like human beings, when you have it perfect and everything is nirvana, you get bored and you move on to something else. And I, I think that conflict and like that, uh, it's it's like working out in, in the gym. It's like yes, mm. it causes inflammation and it's to, and it's actually damaging your muscles but the muscles heal and they grow back stronger than they were. And I think there's a lot of that in just any relationship, husband, wife, you know, parents to sibling or to child, all that stuff.
0: And it goes back to like, how big is, how big is your God? Like is God so Big easy? than Scotts? I will God tell you that right now. Is They're way bigger than Is Scots. God, do is God the so easy so. that? <laughs> <laughs> like, doesn't. If, God, we, if a- <laughs> we knew if we knew God, we knew all of that there was to know about God, and up uh, that was you know it's like a a simple employee. I've sorted him out. Then then, Art, uh, then arts off glass they go. Em-
3: Sorry, arts glass is empty. He needs a help helping hand.
4: He's gonna need some
0: more eyes. That
4: was neat the only option though.
0: There was uh, no
3: neat is not the only option. There there yeah. was something that you said last week in it in it or last Sunday and it did resonate with me. And it oh, that's good to know. There was at least one. Thing. There was one thing. No, <laughs> one of the one of the several things. Uh, uh, by the way, when you were done, Art Zach was sending me uh, animated GIF images of of my new favorite GIF. By the way, of someone doing high kicks <laughs> in response to your. Uh, in response to your sermon, as in, he was really excited about oh. it. So, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so, but, but, what you, what you did was you tied, you tied a relationship to, uh, not only, not only what you say, but, but how it's delivered. Oh, yeah. So basically, like bashing people over the head with the sword of truth, will, will not result. Will, won't end in a
4: good result. Oh, yeah. You, yeah you actually said it. saying the right thing the wrong yes. way makes the whole thing wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Doing yeah. the right thing the wrong way makes the whole thing wrong. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's an overstatement. It's a hyperbolic statement, but it a lot it, of truth it, there. It, it yeah. communicates the right yeah sense. That, that's you know. like
0: telling my wife, um, "You need to follow me. I'm a man of Christ," mm-hmm. and she's oh. like, uh, "You can f off." <laughs> <laughs>
4: I I, I, how many times have I told my wife, "Go read
0: your Bible"? <laughs> and I was like, Oh my
3: gosh! And she's like, "Go go enjoy the couch tonight." <laughs> nah. So yeah, but like maybe we maybe we park on that for a moment there because I think, oftentimes, um, uh, we will we will get fixated on rightness, and and we'll lose track of the, the the rightness or the relationship of rightness with the way it's delivered.
4: Yeah, we lose track of the important partnership. Was it McLuhan who said the m- message and the medium is the medium message me- is the message. It's close. Yeah. It's He did Something say Something like
3: that. Marshall McLuhan said that it is related. It's not the same thing, but yes.
4: Yeah. And we lose track of that, that they go hand in hand. Well, that's why Jesus talked about speaking the, the Bible talks about speaking the truth in love. Well, that's right. what, that's the, the biblical version of that. There's truth and love, not one or the other. And so if the way I'm telling the truth compromises the, the sense that it's a loving motivation, something's wrong with the way I'm telling it. And if I so overemphasize love that I won't tell the truth because I'm in the name of love, I don't want to say something hurtful. That's equally unhelpful. Yes.
3: Which probably means we need to define what love means in this context.
4: Yes. Especially in
1: light of like, uh, you know, faith, hope, and love, the greatest of these is love. There's a clear hierarchy there. It doesn't mean faith and hope aren't important but there's a definite if if you if love is diminished for the sake of faith and hope like you're on the wrong path now back to the definitions it's like what does faith mean what does hope mean what does love mean but very generally like i think a lot of especially right now everything is so polarized politically um there's a lot of politically activated Christians that I think are activated in a very unhealthy way I agree. and they're losing sight of that hierarchy of uh,
3: well rather than like trying to trying to solve all of them could we take a moment to to pause and zoom in on on the concept of of delivering truth in love well, and just just zero in on the love aspect of that
4: if we're parents or have nieces and nephews or whatever we have to practice that yeah why would you Give a hard message to your teenage daughter or son. Nope, you can't do this. I'm not going to let you go there tonight. You do that because you absolutely care about them. And if they think you're a jerk, you understand that's a temporary state. Because all of us were temporarily insane as adolescents, and so are our kids. Sure.
1: And you're a version of God almost, where you see the bigger picture in that particular context that they don't see. They just see, oh... My parent is being an asshole right now. They're not letting me do this thing And I want you to do. know
4: they think that of you, but right. you're so compelled by your yes immeasurable love for them that you will give them a hard truth. So the truth right. comes because you love. Right. I think that's truth in love. But sometimes the truth comes because you want to win the argument or because actually because you hate actually some version of it and and you want to defeat that dude or right. win, uh, you know, raise – um, the way people perceive you are notch another. Not, that's not motivated by love. I right. think then you shut up because you're going to not truly represent truth. Ugh.
3: Arguing someone into dating you does it tend to work out?
4: I know I've tried.
2: <laughs> 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 no, just kidding. I don't talk to girls. They
1: frighten me. I don't talk. Did you say I don't talk to girls?
2: Yeah, they scare me. <laughs> You have something to read. Yeah. There is a there's a Bible verse uh surprisingly enough oh. about um and I'm trying to find it, but it, it is this very is this passive, a sword? Scott. Is this a sword
1: drill? Should you read the sword address? Yeah, Google
2: it. Okay, I'm ready. It's not in the passion translation. Um no, but it I can't find it. It essentially says um so this is Scott's
1: experiential paraphrase, then. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. Touche. Uh, my what well, if by experience you mean I read it. <laughs> keep yes. Going, okay. Keep going.
2: Keep <laughs> going. Don't get distracted. Um, so um, so love love is an aspect, but then there's also with uh gentleness and respect. And I think those are aspects of love. So if we're like trying to define yeah. um how to speak the truth in love, gentleness and respect are two components of that. And this is something I, we've talked about this on the podcast that I've, I think I've struggled with and gotten better at is, um, giving my points and arguing better. Um, uh, cause they're, they're, I mean, you haven't listened to all of our, of our podcasts, but, uh, there are times or, when I wasn't as loving as
1: uh or been privy to the After podcast should. discussions.
2: Yeah. However, I was not as unloving as to turn over the tables. So
1: you know. Oh, okay. Throw it back on Jesus now, okay. I think I like that it. was an
4: act of love, actually. Well, I, oh. me, so me too. Yeah, me, well, me, and I, it, me too. I, yeah. I was
1: gonna piggyback like the hashtag you, me too. The example. <laughs> Good grief. The example unloving. I don't, I don't know what that means, actually. <laughs> you can uh, complain about Andy's comment to Scott at brosbiblesbeer <laughs> um, but Art's example is is almost an example of where love is interpreted interpreted as like wrath or punishment or or a negative thing, because yeah. they don't see the big picture, and so I think there's there's meaning in that too. Which now I'm sounding a little bit like Scott, and Scott's last comment was more like what I would say. That sounded weird. Great, like Sam. we're in this weird time warp now. I agree with you. <sighs> it, it happens every once in a while, and I'm what fine is with that. that. Happening? But that what's happening? The love. I'm not so. Yeah, convinced in my beliefs that if Scott says it, I have to go the other direction. You that, that, say the right, all Scott gray. says it. I don't believe it. That settles it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that, that yeah, that love love can be expressed in a way that people don't like.
1: For sure, any ask any parent, any good parent, I should say.
2: Yes, that's a great that's a
3: great statement, and I think that's where the tension lies, and that's where the struggle is. Um, can can I deliver truth in a way that is loving? and not received well, or does that automatically or, or is offensive even? Yeah. Like, like, and I don't know if we could ever pin this down because it feels like it's a moving target and, mm-hmm. and everything is very situational, but in, but in general, like, uh, I know that oftentimes human nature is when, when a core belief of mine becomes challenged. um, it puts it puts me in a defensive posture. I feel like you're striking you're striking at the core of something that I that that I've built beliefs and part of my life around. There's an identity attachment to it. There's an identity, and there, there's a way that I view the world that is attached to it too. which ultimately comes down to what is my perception of truth, and how is that connected to decisions that I've made my whole life. Oh, and that's when good, and when that gets challenged, all of a sudden there. Like it feels like we're full circle in the podcast. There's fear that's involved there. Well, if that's wrong, what else is wrong? And how many mistakes have
1: I made? Mm. Enter the deconstructionist. Enter the dagger in the Bible. Well, it doesn't have to be okay. Well, so Enter the well, I mean, this, he's describing what what might trigger a deconstructive moment. But yeah, keep going. Or, or just which his, his action to which can
3: exist in any part of your life, whether it is spiritual or purely logical or in an intellectual exercise, those things, yes. Um, or sports or whatever the thing is, when we feel those core beliefs get challenged, all of a sudden it's, it's, well, it's unsettling. Yeah. Because it, and, and I would argue, let's, let me throw this out there. I believe at this point in history, those kinds of discussions may be taken more personally than ever before in history. Unpack that. What do you mean? For instance, I think that if we look at the polarization that exists in in that it is it feels seemingly impossible for people to hold differing views and be okay with that. Simply the fact that we we don't see that well, I'll put it the other way. When we do see it, we're like awestruck.
2: Wow. Look at look at civil disagreement. It
3: yeah, feels man. like the
2: exception Yep. Well, and, and and so that that brings up a question of what is it, what is it to love the other party when you disagree? Um, if we're gonna take the example of a marriage, you' um, you're, you're self-sacrifice. So you're like you're setting your will aside for the sake of their will. Now when two parties, let's they're not in a marriage, when they disagree, Does it is it the same thing? Like, do you have to go, I'm gonna set aside my will? Because when we get into ideology, like you're gonna are you gonna go, hey, the only way I can love them is if I set aside my ideology? It's a great, it's a great Mm, question. I'm not sure. That's
1: that's um what comes comes to mind is the when Jesus said wide is the road that leads to destruction and narrow is the way, like like I don't think that he's talking about eternal heaven or hell scenarios there there was a real path that Israel was on that led to their destruction in 70 AD and well at least I will say there's varying interpretations on that I will say it was called Martin Luther, Luther King Jr Boulevard in interpretation <laughs> where where it's like the narrow way is the way of the cross and that's what Jesus demonstrated so the the short frustrating answer practically for us is yeah the the answer is dying to yourself and losing even to strangers. Now that's why it's the narrow path is because it's almost impossible to do on a daily basis when it it's you're risking political loss, um, you're you're risking loss on all fronts by being the person that takes up his cross daily. All right, okay.
2: The so that but that's my question is so on on but most Christians don't want to hear that. Well, well, okay. Well, there's one question: is is it actually true what you just said? That's that'd be the first question. Let's ask Art. <laughs> well, before we line them all up, is that true?
1: Whether or not whether <laughs> or not the statement is talking about heaven and hell is not no. the point. The point is like the Sermon on the Mount, like loving you mentioned on Sunday, loving your enemies and praying for your persecutors. These are all examples of losing in real life in tangible ways when we want to win and overcome and. uh it's not a very popular stance to take. It was
3: even more meta than that, which is being okay with the perception piece of it too, right? I think you kind of alluded to that.
1: Yeah, tennis ball to art. Ping, <laughs> ping pong. Wh- Wrong Whiff. sport. <laughs> <laughs> Whiff. <laughs> Pickleball to art. Yeah.
4: <laughs> Part of what my gentle deconstruction over the years has, where it's landed me, and I might land somewhere else in another few years is that I see Christianity as a, it's a, it's a religion of death. Mm. I kind of alluded alluded to this last Sunday. I call it a series, a connected series of divinely assisted suicides, um, divinely assisted by the holy assassin who wants to kill in us what has no right to live. Mm. Uh, Well, the enemy of God wants to breathe life in us, uh, breathe life into things that have no that really should die. So, I'm I see the the way I deconstruct things and uh, offer myself to God for them is as I discover things in me that are not the result of transformation; they're not moving toward Christ; they're not more like Christ. Mm. I have to say, oh, I love that. I'm used to it. Yeah. It feels normal to me. And I now realize it can't be allowed to live. So holy assassin have at it. And- It's like a deep tissue massage. Oh my gosh, it is like that or worse. Or colonoscopy. And Man, Lord, are you- <laughs> <laughs> Let's put an end to that conversation. <laughs> Moon no, but river. Really. No, but really, but- um. So it is about death. And uh, I'm saying, what, what's in me that I discover every day? Oh, I didn't see that before, but I now see that needs to die. That need to win the argument with my wife. That needs to have heard, can you just get this right, honey? Come on, you know, if only. No, that I'm not serving my wife. That needs to die. Or even when she responds inappropriately, and and, and she owns some, some of that, can I even die to the need for that uh, mm-hmm. to be recognized? Mm-hmm. That's... Lord, I think that's the level I I want to love. And so I think it's all about dying, but it's a death that brings life. And I think what Jesus was teaching, I might be wrong. He might be saying, no, not at all, Greco, right now when he hears this. But I think what he's getting at is is death, that healthy death that brings life, dying to the things that should die. And there are certain versions of life that are actually death Uh, and and we've got to be able to discern those, discover them, and in community, um, deal with them, address them, and expose ourselves to whatever can kill what should be dead and expose ourselves to whatever enhances what should be uh, alive. That's sort of a circumvent of the question, but that's that's the way I'm approaching things uh, well, the lately. Pi- the picture that I got in
3: my head when you were describing that is just uh, the Terrible state of my lawn right now, which not only needs to be mowed but has so much crabgrass. And I've got to go. I've got to go kill that crabgrass. But I've got to kill the crabgrass because I got to make room for the good, the fescue to grow. And so there's some death that needs to happen in there. And and but ultimately, my goal as the um, really shitty gardener <laughs> in this case is, I want the whole thing to prosper. And so the the weird juxtaposition is that I've got to kill some things so that the things the good things can grow.
4: And you know, it's also weird about this. This is true of life too. I think in the church, even that's a great picture because right now, at least, what you have there that shouldn't be there is green when you mow it. <laughs> it's green when you go kill it selectively. It's going to look awful. There are going to be holes where there's nothing. But that's actually progress, and it. It's healthier, but it looks worse. And I think maybe the church can take some time to reflect on hmm. that. Like, wait a minute. If we allow somebody to be deconstructing their faith, processing their faith, maybe maybe it looks a little awkward and funny right now, but it's going to lead to life. And and if we're not willing to pull up the weeds that create holes, at least they were green when we mowed them. Um, so we actually look better than we are. Oh, man. What I want to do is, I want to be healthier than I look instead of looking healthier than I am. I hope that's the case because you don't look that great. I mean, <laughs> yeah, well, I'm working on uh, it. <laughs> I lost 40 well, pounds I'm in the kidding. last I feel 18 like I don't know months, you man. Come on. That's pretty good. Brenda Uh, Brenda thinks I look fine.
5: Because I saw
1: obviously dying to herself. (laughs) Wow. Nice, Scott. (laughs) This is all beautiful talk and everything, but all I got out of that is that Andy has crabs. Crab grass. Uh, Crab crab crab. grass. Now, can
2: I, um, I'm just thinking of the many times that Jesus went against the tide and spoke out against the, teachers and the false doctrine. Um, yeah. So yeah, to, I guess it to make it quick, but, but if, if we're, if we're constantly, if we're doing that when it comes to public debates on ideology, are you like, would that mean that there's no such thing as a righteous, you're a righteous sacrifice of yourself against the tide of.
1: um Like pushing uh,
2: back of ideology that is. Like purely evil, that it has a great detriment to society. Where do you draw a line? Many great people mm-hmm. over throughout history have done that and given their sacrifice themselves for the love of the community. Um so it just seems like if 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 we're if we're gonna say that sacrifice always means you don't speak out against other
1: ideology. That's, Which is something that hasn't been said tonight. Yeah, but we I know. Said that. Well, I, I know well, your but point. it was ill. I, it was. So that subcontext, like,
3: what is what is our responsibility there? It's
1: a really, Scott, that, that's, yeah. that might be the best question yeah. for the world today. And that's, I wish we had another three hours to to talk about right, what that means to what each you of said us.
2: Earlier, it just seems like that was a, what you were saying was approaching. It's not what that. I was approaching, no. It, but it seems like. Because it, what, what it means like to lay it.
1: down your life in a real world context is gonna, that's a su- subjective thing to me that I can only hope to scratch the surface of what is actually true about. Yeah. I just experienced, I
2: just experienced that that's what you said. Okay. <laughs> yes.
1: Thank you for admitting that. Yes. No, it, but, Scott, that's an incredible question. Which makes it true.
4: <laughs> There's too much of that in the name of the, being the prophet of God that isn't motivated by love. Sure.
2: Sure, but it still exists. If I'm going to
4: speak out against something that I think is an injustice or wrong, I'm going to do it because I don't think it's in your best interest. Yeah, to keep going that way mm. is is not good for you, and I don't want to see you experience what's right. not good for you. Now they may say how arrogant of you to come to the conclusion of what's best for me, right. and I'm not. I'm just saying my motivation has to be more like that. Yeah, because that's that's what motivates God to say, "Stop it! I'm going to I'm going to punish or I'm going to." I'm gonna author something that's not pleasant, or I'm gonna allow something that's not pleasant. Or, or the, what he's motivated the, the by, real
1: consequences of if you continue down this path, there are consequences. I'm gonna let you have
4: those consequences. Yeah, yeah. Todd, it's
1: because he loves us too much to not. That was that was how Todd would
3: describe it. Uh, sin is God, God God allowing natural wrath to occur. Yeah. Or, or sorry, God's wrath is him allowing the natural consequences of sin to occur.
2: Correct. Yeah, Well, in the parable, of the narrow path, when you, you're talking about Israel, that the destruction that came upon them, that Jesus prophesied would come upon Israel in 70 AD was a result of them rejecting Jesus. Like that was, that that's what Jesus said is why that destruction would happen.
1: So, yes, um, I'm going to let you have the last word and we've got a few more minutes. Are you okay for a few more minutes? Are you yeah, doing okay? Yeah, okay. Having fun. So, so we have a couple of pieces of feedback to read slash listen to and, and maybe react to quickly uh, before we land this thing. Um, uh, Andy just stepped out probably to go to the bathroom because of the delicious liquids that have happened. <laughs> um, you want
0: to read as opposed to playing the voicemail first?
1: Yeah, I will read. I'm gonna read. So this, actually, this, you uh, know, I'm gonna do. And all right, you're not gonna hear this because you're not having, you don't have headphones on. But we have this feedback, feedback jingle that is playing feedback. right now. now it's time to feedback.
5: Feedback. All
1: right, this, this is back to June. 13th. And my apologies to this emailer.
0: Oh, email. Okay. I read
1: this to a couple different people and it planted in my head that we had read it on the podcast, oh. but this was in reaction to art. It was when you were at our church, but you didn't speak this particular week. It was a woman speaking. Oh, I remember. And, uh, this Wait, was, there was a woman speaking at was, our church. Yes. Guess you
3: don't Go to church. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, uh, He gave me permission to read this email. It's going to be anonymous, but he knows who he is. Uh, But it's a reaction to episode 191. If you haven't heard that, go back and listen to it. And it's titled Thoughtsicles. Big fan here. Been listening to your pod for a year or so. Just finished 191 and had a couple of thoughts. The guy being super mad upset at seeing a female preacher at church was simply pointing to where his bad out-of-context theology had hurt him. Uh, sarcastic thoughts and prayers going up. Uh, okay, so that was a little joke. My wife. Is- Sorry, j-
3: can I just like re- sure. recap that we we did tell a story about an encounter where we had That's- someone, a female, speak at our mm-hmm. at yes. our church, and someone in the uh, congregation was really upset about a that.
1: giant beast of a man too, with a big Bible with. You could tell the Bible was worn and plenty of notes. You could describe him as a uber theology bro. He had huge Bible steps. He did. <laughs> she weight <laughs> lifted with that Bible, I think. And he had big problems. Big problems Sorry. with a, a woman okay. teaching. Just context. My wife is a pastor at our Nazarene church and preaches frequently with a master's in psychology. She's been a licensed marriage and family therapist since 2009. She's been on staff for 15 years and started preaching more over the last five years. It still boggles my mind that when she takes the platform to preach, like she did this past Sunday, some people will simply get up and walk out. She's had some people confront her in the past, and she's handled it very well, better than I ever would have. She has the full respect or full support of our board, senior pastor, and Mm. church leadership, but it still stings that some people choose not to hear what God may be trying to help them with, or give insight into their life just because the preacher is not a dude. I look at it as blatant sexism hiding behind religiosity. As a side note, one area that I think is very under-supported is the male spouse population of female pastors, although I have seen a large increase in female pastoral candidates currently going through the Nazarene ordination process in our district, so that is very promising. Anyway, I thought I'd just share, keep up the great work, and then he followed up again after my response and said it was okay to share this. What did you say to him, by the way? Uh, oh, I just said, thanks for the feedback. Is it okay to read this? I can keep oh. it anonymous. Okay. Thanks, thanks for listening. We'll keep it up if you keep it up. Then what did you say to Ricky after that? <laughs> 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 Actually, I, uh, I said to Daryl. Oh. Daryl <laughs> responded. Uh, okay to share. A uh, brief update from a chat she had. She and I had last night, given that my wife is pretty strong and has thick skin over the years when dealing with sexist trolls who think they're God's warriors, he put that in quotes and he said that um, some people they know will give her feedback and that's one of the ways they describe themselves as God's warriors.
2: Uh, Oh, not sexist trolls. No. Okay. No. Who, who is, is her negative g- feedback?
1: Yeah. Okay. Yes. Native, negative feedback as God's warriors. Who is God's warriors? <laughs> <laughs> the one error that sings the most are from people who find it necessary to comment on her appearance. Are you stressed? Looks like you've added a, a few pounds since you oh, last no. preached. Okay. Are you so kidding me? I wouldn't. That's a. I wouldn't uh, wear that on. stuff again. Now, all we have to go on is his word. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'm, and I don't have any information. All right. It is what it is. Scott. There are plenty
2: of fat male pastors. I mean, come on. Easy, yeah. For no. example, Easy, no. uh, Easy oh. no. <laughs> <laughs> well, you formerly, formerly. Famous. Yes. I know you're <laughs> the slim trim. You <laughs> said he lost 40 pounds. in the last yeah, <laughs> I still wear a shirt.
4: Everywhere. Yeah. We have the
1: slim trim Mark Greco. His point is, or he closes it by saying, this is the kind of constant bullshit that doesn't go away. She preached a great message from Ephesians on Sunday. And yet some people just can't get past surface appearances so, does she break down after having to deal with stupid stuff like that? Absolutely. As her spouse, it's definitely frustrating and helpless to see her at an emotional low caused by others. She takes the verbal and emotional hits, but in the end knows that nothing will deter her from fulfilling what she believes God has mm. 100% called her to do. Thanks for mm. touching on this topic. I obviously have lots of feels on this. Oh, no feelings, Scott. And uh, <laughs> and got my share of weird comments from time to time. Let me know if you guys have questions or anything. Grace, peace, cheers. And I almost just said his name. <laughs> All right. So so first, so Darryl, give, given the Ricky. context of our of this
2: discussion, the and not and not going into should women or be or not be pastors, but um, what would be our primary um. Reason why we would think that women should or should not be pastors? Would it be experience or scripture? Now those might not be mutually exclusive, but if we're going to put weight on one or the other, what would we? What like what would you? What would you choose? Let's
4: ask this guy. Well, I used to be as adamant that when I would I was that that weightlifter dude, Theo, bro. I was that guy. I think I was kinder than that, but I used to. I used to be in a position, even as a pastor, where I thought, darn it, I don't want to restrict women, but I, scriptures got me pinned down. Mm. But I wish I could believe something different. So I think that's different than what he did. But I was, I was pretty strong on that, thinking that you got to do what the word tells us to do. And then the willingness to, to be persuaded by a better argument, talking with different people who said, yes, but how about this? And how about this? And would you consider this? And That man, my argument consistently is not holding up to some of the new things I'm learning, and I had—I actually became just the opposite. I thought, well, the text that I thought was pinning me down and holding me back, I think I was misunderstanding that text, and actually, um, gifting and a sense of call when there's. When there's no clear biblical mandate to say, wait a minute, yeah, but that ought to be, they ought to be, people ought to be free to walk into that. Mm. And so I came to just the opposite conclusion now. In fact, that same lady is preaching this Sunday in our church and Mm. she's a learner and hungry and she's deep Mm. and man, well, we should be investing in her. She's really Mm. sharp. Mm. Uh, And I now get excited to see one of my sisters in Christ, um, opening the word and and presenting it so the answer is scripture still <laughs> i was <laughs> just, i was stuck by scripture and i became right. unstuck not because oh, i want to believe this so let's change what scripture means i actually through study thought i think i got that wrong in scripture mm, I, right, I think i misunderstood right. scripture there and so I, I, and i, I guess wrong. that's
2: my point is is you're you're coming to that conclusion based upon a a new or fresh or just something you didn't understand about scripture before yeah. not but not about but it some experience scripture. wasn't some like external yeah. i
1: yes. we got, why, it, we got so, yeah it. Yes. okay 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 You're just asleep that's good i got a i got a review on apple podcast and this is a good reminder um if you use apple podcast leave us a review click Give us however many stars you feel like, and also on Spotify. <laughs> Spotify lets it, Spotify it. You lets it you click stars too. On the, it's weird. Not if you're using a computer, on like a PC or a Mac, it's not there. But on your app on your phone, you can click on the rating and give us um, one to five stars. If you're a Christian, there's only right Then you'll give us five, five stars. Now this is from Apple Podcasts. And love uh, going <laughs> back to July six. from Eric C. Shin. Uh, pronunciation is mine and mine alone based on my experience. (laughs) I love these men five stars. Excellent and intimate is the subject. I love these men. They have varying opinions about theology and ask deep questions about each other and guests by hearing how these men process their faiths. I challenge my faith and question my stances on second order issues. Thank you for Hmm. your honesty and encouragement.
0: Hmm. I love how people are like, I can't believe you guys are friends. It's sometimes
1: well. I, know, I have arguments. got that. Like, are you guys really friends? You guys say you are, <laughs> dude. Whoa! Whoa oh, Andy's mic. I lost, and, it. lost I know. His arms. Andy just We had a technical. It broke.
4: Andy just dropped the mic. I know. Well, <laughs> literally, I
3: always think about that. I'm like, dude, if everyone had was required to lay out all their beliefs, we would all line up so much differently than we all think we actually do. Like in terms of like alignment, I, I think. It, on, on any given Sunday, most of us tend to enter the room and go, yeah, we all are pretty much on the same page, right? And if we were forced to like, okay, jot down all of our stuff and we'll put it all into a spreadsheet, we'd go, wait, you
1: believe that? Right. You believe that? Scott and I both agree like love is the pinnacle of everything, but we would argue until we died from starvation mm-hmm. over what that means. <laughs> That's correct. Yeah. Now,
2: I would ask Mr. Shoshone... Um, <laughs> What if do you, what, what do you mean? Second order? What? Like shoot, man. Yes, talk, this is the most important stuff right here, man. Come on, man. Maybe he's talking about,
3: uh, uh, unity in what is essential liberty and what is non-essential. Maybe he says we're arguing the non-essentials.
2: Yeah. That's my point is what, what does that even mean? Like what, 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 okay. what are we talking about? That's not essential here, bro. One more I feedback.
3: We got one more feedback. Okay. We got a voice message. A glorious voice message. I'm going to try to play it right now. I'm, I'm pretty
4: sure we're dialed oh, in. Oh, but
1: you know what? What if you did it without plugging in so Art can hear maybe? Oh. Is it maybe less. Or yeah, don't you. headphones. Ah.
4: To do in? low tech and okay. put it on speaker next to your microphone. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. oh, okay, okay. Let's do it. So 80s. It's
1: happening.
3: Here we go.
4: Hey, my name is Lisa. I'm a long time listener. She sounds considering hot. Considering I'm married to Zach, the creator of this podcast. Anyway, I wanted We're to send a specific message to Scott <gasps> that uh, <laughs> I've noticed in the last two podcasts, you've had a different energy about you. You seem lighter. Um, I've been working out. And maybe it's just the new glasses you got. It's giving you more <laughs> confidence. Um, or Scott's maybe putting them on right now. Something has changed for you, but um, I've just noticed uh but you just seem happier. So I just wanted to encourage you and say how important you are to this podcast and how much I appreciate you and what you bring to it. Have a good day.
1: Even though she disagrees almost everything about your theology, but... Yeah, It's encouragement still. So
2: now that I have the floor, because she addressed that to me, thank that you. That was a scam was,
1: uh, call. Uh, yeah, I, I put her up yeah. to that. Scott's moving. Yeah. That's why he's so happy. I have yeah. I Actually, I haven't heard that. I said. Oh, really? I said, can I just? <laughs> should I listen to it first? And she's like, No, just play it. Oh.
2: <laughs> first of all, Lisa, I want to say I appreciate what you said, but I also want to say that. Uh, your experience of me <laughs> on the podcast is not determined truth. I'm just, I'm just uh, as so Uh Yeah. I'm just, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm actually happiest when I'm unhappy. So, but I appreciate it. Okay. No, Ooh. <laughs> no, I like I guess it. Seriously, wow. No, uh, no I, I've, I've been, I've been trying to relax more. Um, I've noticed that. I feel
3: like I've noticed um, that. Um,
2: I get, I get uptight I get I'm, I'm, I'm uptight a lot we all do and uh, I just yeah, just trying to relax more and uh, take it in and I mean I'm obviously I'm still you know preach the truth here but uh, <laughs> but uh, oh my gosh uh, yeah just trying to just relax more why do you think that is um my heart my heart condition I talked to a doctor and no I'm just kidding <laughs> uh, Um. Shouldn't joke about that sorry uh what, what should we
0: say at your funeral
4: <laughs> doesn't, I've he, already, look, I've already doesn't it. he look relaxed
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. he <laughs> looks so peaceful he finally he, he looks peaceful. yelling <laughs> he stopped yelling it looks like glasses he, it looks like he loves us
3: i guess he was right yeah
2: <laughs> Um, and I and
3: he I died of an experience. <laughs> I, I guess he. I, I guess he's dead in his yes, experience. He's feeling horrible. <laughs> According to his experience, he's dead.
2: I I have tried various glasses, and yeah, the ones. I don't know if these are the particular ones, but That's I nice. I appreciate that. Yeah, um, yeah. I All just right. I appreciate the love. Yeah, yeah. That's good. good. Well, okay. I don't know if it's love or if it's just kindness or pity. Um but I'll take it. Yeah,
3: we'll define love in a future podcast. All right, yeah. I think we're getting we're getting to the end here, which is uh, our our final ceremony of always talking about what are we consuming. Mm-hmm. So art, if you have listened to the podcast, you know that what are we consuming is a moment where we go around and we talk about the things that we're watching, that we're reading, that we're listening to. and or that we're doing, I guess, as well, it could be an activity. And so we'll go around the room. I feel like I'm gonna
0: spin the wheel and land on Jeff. Really? Landing on Jeff first. I am consuming. <laughs> I'm consuming time with my wife. Mm. We have had
1: some um- careful with the listener rating. No, this is a totally explicit <laughs> yeah. podcast. You can say whatever no, no, you no, want. You, you right mean, I you mean, mean, you mean, you mean,
2: you don't allow her to do what you want her to do. What she <laughs> wants to do, you're taking up all her time. <laughs>
0: Sorry, Doctor Scott. Just hold on. Uh,
1: Take your glass no, off, Scott. I,
0: yeah, take off those glasses. What do you think you are? My my wife so we went to Cabo San Lucas a couple weeks ago and, mm. and and my wife and I did not we we were at odds and you know really my fault and um and you know there was some a little bit of repairing um and and deconstructing reconstructing of like where I was at and um and taking my wife for granted a little bit and, and for, you know, not following my heart and going with, you know, you know, my thoughts instead of my heart and, uh, and things, uh, for the last week, um, I've just been focused on, you know, kind of making sure that my wife is, is heard and, and she knows that, I'm just not taking it for granted and mm. that I love her. And, um, and it's been a, a sweet week and we've had a couple of dates and enjoyed time together. Mm. So it's, it's been, it's been a lot of fun.
1: That's, That's good. That's great. Did you try anything new? You ever <laughs> tried before? Zach. <laughs> so <I> can- <clears throat> Okay.
0: Yeah. Uh, okay. All yeah, right. We Scott, had a peanut, yes, we had a Pinot Noir at a restaurant. <laughs> there,
1: there, a there, there you go. <laughs> okay. That's, those
4: are better old, really.
0: Right, <laughs> you know. Okay. Art, what have
4: you been consuming in the past week? Well, I want to jump piggyback on that. Uh I told Brenda when when we were gonna come out here, I said, I won't go unless we're together. I don't want to have one weekend without you.
5: Yeah.
4: Mm. I told her because I'm just an I'm not a good Christian without you. I'm a, oh, wow. My wife is beyond spectacular. People say, "What's the secret to a good marriage?" I say, "It's simple: marry Brenda,
3: pick the right person." Yeah, marry Brenda. Is she
4: single? <laughs> <laughs> no, but if she were, you should put on your glasses and go put for on it. Your <laughs> uh, I, I love that. That's that. Talk to me about Puerto Vallarta when we're done with the podcast, and I have a place we can hook you up with. That is. Killer. Oh, no, he said Cabo,
1: but Killer. he said Puerto Vallarta. Well, there's I'm one list- in
4: Cabo too, but I'm listening now. Okay, it's good. To- um, it's a timeshare. I'm here. reading. You, you links it is, in- <laughs> but it's a, it's like the Four Seasons. Links in the show notes. I'm, I'm reading <laughs> Salinger right now. JD. I'm, yeah, I'm reading uh, Catcher in the Rye again. Mm. I haven't read it it's for a long, long time. I'm kind of addicted to Steinbeck, mm. and read and reread and reread Steinbeck. I love Steinbeck, but I thought I'm gonna branch out a little bit and read something different and. That's what I'm consuming, and it's a painful exposition of the human condition. Uh, if you haven't read *Catcher in the Rye* in a while,
2: I, I, uh, not in a while. I think I read it in high school. My 16-year-old yeah. old just finished
3: reading it. Yeah. I don't. I don't even remember reading it. It's been 20 years. But uh, uh, who's the other author you mentioned? Uh, the other author, Steinbeck. Steinbeck. Yeah. So *Grapes of Wrath*. That is. Uh, that is my family. Mm. Like quite literally, Oklahoma to Arvin really Act, that's my actual family yeah their that, last name is grapes yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah they they were the dust bowl okies uh. who left oklahoma and went to arvin so when i read that book it was it, it landed close to home they're, they're related to gilbert
0: just <laughs> <Distant> yes, <Yeah. cousin. laughs> good good crack, Scott. I, I'm a school teacher, so the reading thing just kind of bores me. But let's move on. Steinbeck is boring. All right, Scott. Evil.
4: Don't say that. That's <laughs> well, that's what Jeff said. I was
1: just uh, Wait, what? No, he
4: said the reading thing is boring. Yeah, you- that's that's what books Jeff on boring. tape work, right?
1: Yeah. yeah. Audible.com uh, <laughs> backslash beer gets you a free book. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's not true, but it'd be funny.
2: so I, I mentioned uh, Alex Jones in the beginning. Oh yeah, I was co- I, I was consuming the Alex Jones defamation 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 lawsuit, defamation lawsuit trial. Um, is this uh,
1: filed under doom scrolling? Maybe. It's just a, a, you doom, know, doom go, adjacent. Yeah. It's, I would say, say it's doom adjacent. It's doom adjacent. Yeah.
2: Um, it, I mean that, that guy, Alex Jones is a character. Um, so I, I watched some of Owen Schroyer's who's, who's one of the, uh, the, the hosts on Alex Jones show. I watched some of his, um, uh, testimony and I watched some of Alex Jones testimony. The guy is a freaking nut, man. It it doesn't matter if he's hosting his own show or if he's on, tro- if he's on the stand giving testimony, it's just like, dude, what are you talking about, bro? Some of the stuff you get is right. It's true. But all this stuff just sounds crazy. Like they ask him a, ask a question about, Hey, why, you know, why, what would make you think that San is, uh, you know, didn't happen? He's like, Oh, oh, well, uh, you know, uh, Operation uh, Barbarossa back in the 70s and, you know, the government. And you're like, dude, what, Joe, what are you talking about, man? Yeah. And then and then on cross-examination, the, the plaintiff's attorney gets up and hands him a piece of paper. And he's like, oh, hey, Mr. Jones, can you read this? He's like, oh, yeah, I can read it. And he's like, and the, 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 the attorney's like, it's upside down. He, had, he's, he looks at the paper, says he can read it, but the paper was upside down. Like, he was just... Like he was just giving an answer. Yeah. It, dude, it was Sensational It was a like it was a train wreck you can't look away from. It was great. If anyone has, you know, three hours to waste yeah. in their day, that'd be that'd be something to go look <laughs> All at. Right. Be very All entertaining. Right. But he lost. He he paying $45 million yeah. to uh, 45 to that one family. I'm sure he's, what? Fi-
1: he's finding ways to shelter money to where. Like, oh yeah. That, yeah. Dude,
2: that was in the trial. He, he wasn't supposed to mention his finances, but he happened to slip in. Oh yeah, I'm a uh, bankrupt. And then he got hammered by the judge yeah. for that. And it's, it's very entertaining. Okay. Uh, I've realized over the last two
3: weeks that, um, there's a, I think it's in the strengths finder. Um, mm-hmm. Test that you take that there's a there's a one attribute called the maximizer, and I realized I am the maximizer and the max and in my in my world bragger. What, <laughs> <laughs> what max what maximizer means? I feel, I feel fulfilled when I can leverage every function of a device that I've purchased. So if it's a vehicle and I'm doing and I'm I'm l- using all the things that it can do, I'm like, yes, I've done it all. That's a relatively healthy version of it. What I'm sucked into right now is the last two weeks of trying to maximize a negotiation for a car deal right now, and my brain is stuck and obsessed on 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 doing that piece of it. So I'm really I'm at the point where I'm like. I kind of just want it to be done now so that my brain can release and I can go to bed and enjoy sleep and I can wake <laughs> and I can wake up slowly and enjoy waking up and and the first thing I think about is coffee and a conversation with my wife rather than hold on let me check and see if I can tweak this and so anyway uh, my my hope is that within if if all things go right within a week I will be done with my Car negotiations, and you will have 100 percent of me back in in thought and spirit. Now, so is
4: that So can we can we assume from uh, that yeah. that you're you've been sort of Porscheing the limits of your ability? To- <laughs> you, say, hey, you, you say Porsche. <laughs> it's a Porsche. It's a uh, dad pun. Yes, it's a course Porsche. He nailed
3: it. Yes, <laughs> yes, I am. I'm I'm looking at the cheapest version of a Porsche, and <laughs> uh, and and I found one in Texas, and I've been talking to him, and he's great. He sends me videos. He goes. Well, I don't know, man. This this car is pretty great, but it's just not made for country living. So I got to get rid of it. It just sits <laughs> in my garage. This is like a very close paraphrase to is, what he's actually the, said. Is that the Tiger King? Who is it? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> he's not far from Louisiana. I don't know it, if that's where. That's Tig- all the East Texas. Yeah. 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 yeah he's like, yeah, yeah. it's he's a like great in, car. I know I love Porsches, but unfortunately, I don't think I can drive it anymore because it's dirty out here.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, now, is that something like like I have to get the best deal? Out uh, there, uh, I like guess. If, if I miss out on how, what's the dollar limit? So, the
3: maximizer part of me has like been leveraging. I've, I've got multiple spreadsheets out, pivot tables that I'm like tracking all the various things. And this option is worth this much money, and this option is worth this much money. And so,
1: and he's never wearing pants when he's it's doing dev- yeah. <laughs> <Like> he it. <definitely, laughs> it
3: gets hot in it's here. It's devolved. Yeah. It's devolved. I'm now protecting my wife from all the things because before I get real excited the, about it, I'm like, not wearing pants. Hey, I yeah. think I found all these things, and I can, <laughs> and i yeah. I don't protect her from that part.
2: You're like, baby, I'm trying to be a maximizer right now. You're either in or
3: out. Oh my gosh. It's but she's like, but I'm, (laughs) I'm cautiously optimistic. I think, I think I, the maximizer. well, maybe this isn't a good thing. I think I've, I've uh, justified the maximizer in me and that I've found the sweetest deal of all the deals. So, so I'm feeding the beast. What are you consuming? <laughs> <laughs> maybe, the right, maybe
4: the right answer is here. What's consuming me? Yeah. Kelly Blue Book. That's yeah. what I'm consuming. Yeah. Kelly, yeah. Blue Kelly Blue Book. Blue Book. Yeah. Yeah. Cons-
3: Kelly Blue Book. Lots of, uh, <laughs> lots of digital negotiations and a whole bunch of spreadsheets. It's a giant mm. pie that oh, is gosh. called midlife
4: crisis. Do you think it's
3: consuming me?
4: <laughs> it's yeah. not midlife, cri- midlife crisis if it's not a red Porsche. That's true. Uh, and okay. it's not... It's black. <clears throat> okay. Thank you. All and
3: right. it gets over 30 miles to the gallon. So it's right. sensible.
2: Okay. Economically. Green even.
3: Sen- yeah, yeah, it's the greenest even of the the, the greenest
1: black car that you're going to buy. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I can't wait to race. Oh. Uh, if it's on curves I'll win.
1: All right. So I'm going to I'm going to for my portion of this, I'm going to caveat for your by Porsche saying portion of this? I am definitely <laughs> uh consuming a lot of time-wasting things like Trying to catch up on Ozark and other Netflix. Love Ozark, dude. Oh. That show is great.
3: It's the train wreck. It's oh. it's the car crash that you can't not Absolutely. look at.
1: You have to look at. But then, how when far are you? Um, season three. Okay, so we've got some catching up to mm-hmm. do, and uh, but. It, it's a slow go because with kids, you're not yeah. going to watch around kids and then you can't watch it late night because you want to watch something funny and happy. Or... Palette cleanser. Yes. So it, it's a slow go, but we're, we're making that happen. But
0: what, what is uh, Ozark is something about more coastline than the state of California. Is that what it's about? I think people should move there. Okay.
1: Yeah. I, I'm
2: trying to move there, but. So in addition
1: to things like Ozark, um, I've. I'm always rotating through books. I get bored. I leave a book. I come back to a book. I've got severe ADD, and whether that's reading or listening. It's hard to get through the Bible. It's all in the same thing. RDD. Mm -hmm. RDD. Uh, But currently, I've been reading a book by Keith Ward called Love is His Meaning. Love is His Meaning, Understanding the Teachings of Jesus, and it's filtering... Let's see. From the... Introduction. Uh, uh, Keith Ward explores the various figures of speech and images that Jesus used and finds they're all ways of expressing the evoking and evoking the self giving love God manifested supremely in Jesus' life. So
0: it's, I love the books that you read that the subtitles are always like seven to 17 words.
1: Yeah, it's <laughs> they're not bestsellers. It's like uh,
4: <laughs> there's catchier things to be done there. But. I've got a book for you. You guys know an author named Daniel Taylor? Hold on, get onto that, mic a little bit more. Uh, you know the author, Daniel Taylor? He wrote one of my favorite books that began my deconstruction oh. journey called uh, The Myth of Certainty, like 40 years ago. Ooh, I like that title. Ooh, it's before great. Pete ends? And and he's a marvelous guy, but he has he has little mini novels, novelettes too, and one of them is called Death to the Deconstructionist. But it's, it's a novel, so he's presenting his thoughts and truths in mm-hmm. novel form. And I'd highly recommend that.
1: Okay. Awesome. awesome. Myth, we'll put that in, in, in the show notes. Myth of certainty
4: to everybody. Myth of certainty. And then the, well, enough yeah, said. Yeah, no, no. What's enough it? said. No, it's okay. I have a brain block for his follow-up to that. Um, it's like C.S. Lewis. It's not the reluctant Christian or the, it's- um, You text me and we'll throw it in the okay. uh, show notes for the episode. Good. Yeah, the yeah episode. we'll put okay. it
1: in there. So uh, as we close this uh, real quick- uh, people, we're we're reading feedback. You're listening to feedback uh, voicemails. Uh, leave us anchor.fm slash bbbpod, and find us on the socials um, at Bros Beer, which is Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.
3: And what else, Andy? If you want to leave us a message, anchor.fm slash bbbpod. There's a button on there that'll oh, yeah. say something about uh, voicemail or message. Yeah. Tap on that thing, and it's you. It's not be-
1: super easy, but.
3: It's not as it's not as intuitive as you might think, but but if you really care about us, you'll muscle we'll through it. it. Yeah. And then
1: give us a star rating on the Spotify app. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, whatever you consume. Uh, oh, brosbiblesbeer at gmail.com. If you're looking for a single bro, or, scott at If you're
2: single or need marriage advice, yes, scott, scott at We'll make sure dot he wears com. his glasses if you need yes. them. Oh, yeah, that's yeah right. if you're single. I won't wear them <laughs> if you are need marriage Scott's advice, glasses yeah. at brosbibblesbeer.com. <laughs> yeah.
1: And um, I think it's
2: uh, the skeptical believer, that's Danny it. Taylor. That's one.
1: Yeah. Oh, Thanks. nice. Thank you. Nice clarification. So, Art... Uh, do you want people to get in touch with you? Like do you have anything to promote? I think you've written some books over the years. Like what like pitch <laughs> Arts promoting promote retirement. retirement. Yeah. I know he is. Cool. <laughs> if people want to connect with you is there a way to do it and do you
4: want that? I'd love Yeah, sure. I'd, uh Dago Pastor D A G O Pastor at uh what's that one at comcast.net. I'd, I'm always love engaging with people. Okay. I got nothing to promote. I wrote okay. a book, sold about 500 copies, 400, 400 of them I think my mom bought. And what was the <laughs> name of the so book? So apparently I'm not much... When The original title that the publisher wouldn't let me do is oh. called Kick-Ass Spirituality. Oh! I wish I would have kept that title. Dude! Yeah, so Cartman. It came out as Kick God... Kick-Ass It came out as God Kills. Some of the messages oh. I'm bringing are from, from okay. that work, but okay. it wasn't a great book, so
1: oh come on <laughs> I think we got we'll obviously use the, let's use that as
4: fodder
3: for the follow up when you come join us again we should talk we should pick up where that leaves off
4: okay because <laughs> okay, I like that it really left off it left me really broke <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> that's well, where it left off well we're going to sell you fun. like two copies so <laughs> you know, it's a resurgence <laughs> alright well Art thanks for hanging out with us and dealing with yeah, us yeah thank and, you I appreciate that you listen, and it's it's great to talk to you. I've I want to have more conversations with you in person, like that. Yeah, and my wife says hi, by the way. Lisa says hi. Hey.
2: Yeah, and she says she loves your glasses. Oh, thank you. I get a lot of compliments yeah. on these
4: glasses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Yes. laughs>
3: And I compliment you on your choices of bourbon. Excellent job.
4: Yes, pleasure to it. <laughs> you. It's almost gone. My goodness. Oh, weird. <laughs> we don't mess around. The
0: bourbon and the cookies almost a, gone. There must be a hole in the bottle. Yeah, yeah. defective. <laughs>
2: very, very little beer consumed this, this round. All right. Well,
0: Scott, you moving soon?
2: You know, I've always said I don't know. I've always said I'm either moving out of state or moving. Yeah.
1: And he said, you know, and that's when it stopped. <laughs> Spoiler. That's
2: good. That
1: was